Hello and welcome once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, time now for a review show. Uh, this is going to be the July reviews um, for the June releases that we are going to cheat slightly and review one that started uh, that was actually released on the 3rd of July, but there will be a reason for that, which we'll get to. Um, so, as always, your host Alan, joined with Keith and also. Roddy! Nice. <laughs> okay, not actually Roddy. Uh, Roddy unfortunately couldn't make it tonight. Um, he just had some personal business to attend to, but we have got a more than uh, capable uh, stand-in. Kieran! Kieran's back! And Kieran had to be back for this one. Yeah. For the aforementioned title, which we will get to. Um, but uh, yeah, we're just we're just going to kick off the review show. Just We're recording this uh, on the 22nd of July. So San Diego Comic Con is just pretty much finished. Um, I do always say that I think San Diego Comic Con is always more focused on the movies and TV shows. New York Comic Con tends to be more in the comics. So there were a few new titles released um, at the con itself, but it was primarily focused on movies and and very much the the future of the Marvel Universe. Uh, Given our resident Mr. Marvel, what are your impressions of the slate of Phase 4? Well, um... There were some real interesting, interesting announcements. There was there was some stuff that we were sort of expecting. There was some stuff that we were expecting that wasn't announced. Yeah. And there was some stuff, I say, we weren't expecting at all. Uh, clarified. So. Um, five movies, five TV shows. Yes. Um, I guess <clears throat> you know that's the first time. I mean, since since the Marvel Cinematic Universe started. Yeah. It's always well certainly since Avengers has always been a case of it's all connected yeah. hashtag it's all connected which is how they launched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the series which of course came off the back of Avengers we had uh, was the Inhumans connected? the Inhumans I know it was, was a very short lived show but the, Inhuman, the Inhumans <laughs> were connected through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. there was an entire oh, okay. season of Agents of oh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh. it was all about Inhumans and yes, uh, what you right. call her uh, Chloe, is Chloe Bennett um, they, um, they wasn't Inhuman herself the they did and yeah. it was about the time that Marvel realised that their comics were just advertising the X-Men movies so they were effectively it was around the time of Avengers vs. X-Men and Marvel effectively everything but discontinued the X-Men and replaced them with Inhumans which is the way it was going but uh, as for the TV show the Inhumans I didn't even bother watching no. it it's a um, weird one because it was sort of like episode 1 was released as an IMAX movie yeah. type presentation and then it was going to be 6 episodes and then it just I, it just seemed to disappear without a trace it started life as a movie as well yeah. though um I don't even know anybody that watches it. Uh, no, I can't actually think of anybody in the stores ever mentioned it. I think uh, Tommy might have watched it, um, but True. outside of that, I'm not sure. So I guess, um, I guess there were there were some big ones from the the Marvel panel. There was the announcement of uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. I love uh, the logo. It <laughs> was great. It's real. It is like yeah. Ragnarok was. Yeah. Uh, and the announcement that. Uh, true to the comics and Jason Aaron's uh, Ron and Thor that uh, Natalie Portman would be playing the role of Lady Thor uh, so is the character referred to in that one as Lady Thor no or just Thor just Thor good just because Thor. this is going to be the most interesting <laughs> thing for the next two years you're going to get people going oh she's Lady Thor and people said no she's nope, just Thor she's Thor she's Thor Although yep. the goddess of thunder, as opposed to the goddess, the goddess of thunder, yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the one, the one thing we'll allow. Uh, so Natalie Portman uh, yeah. playing Jane Foster, returning as Jane Foster, uh, playing playing Thor. Where that leaves Chris Hemsworth, 
Uh, My guess is Guardians the, Three. I would say we're maybe going to see him because I mean, how 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 does this work? I mean, yeah. in the in the comics, Odinson became unworthy of Mjolnir, and the hand that picked up Mjolnir and became Thor, the god of thunder, the goddess of thunder, was Jane Foster. She was worthy, while while Odinson was not. Um, now, if in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we've just had Mjolnir return. Yeah. In uh, Endgame. Well, after after, though Mjol no Steve no, took Mjolnir Steve back, took it back at the so end of Endgame, so we don't have a Mjolnir. So how does this? How does it work? How Cap it has it in his closet. <laughs> <laughs> he just tells everybody he dropped the back. Oh yeah, Sunny. So so obviously obviously it's, it's good. But anyway, we can we can talk about this. The next release on the Marvel schedule is the Black Widow movie. Yeah. Which it's uh, set between May. between Civil War and Infinity War. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, David Harbour, Rachel Weisz uh, as Alexi. As Alexi, <laughs> his surname better be Smirnoff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just linked to Stranger Things there. Um, yeah, Black Widow. I think a bit could work really, really well. There's been some great Black Widow runs. I think that the character works better when it's just sort of in the world of espionage yeah. and spy action rather than maybe in the middle of the Battle of New York where. Yeah, yeah. She's just a human uh, shooting uh, guns at aliens. You know what? You, you you have a slightly more fantastic version of the Bourne movies. Mm-hmm. You know, true. Was it confirmed that Taskmaster's in it, or is that speculation? Taskmaster, well, I think was confirmed. I was yeah. confirmed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then the so that's a that's a first of May 20, 2020 release. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch back as Doctor Strange and now we're talking logos <laughs> and now we're talking titles the multiverse of man <laughs> that the title Stanley would be proud yeah. of uh, that is 7th of May 2021 and that's going to link to the TV series WandaVision which <laughs> is a terribly terribly <laughs> terrible you love the title for oh, again, terrible uh, we know Wanda's back as of uh, Endgame Vision is not so I don't know what mm-hmm. happens there but apparently uh, Scarlet Witch is going to be in this Doctor Strange movie, which takes place after. Wanda Just Vision. one thing we should maybe we maybe glossed over there quickly with the Black Widow movie because of the fact that it takes place between Civil War and Infinity War, leaves the door open for all kinds of cameos, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even if they're just quick shots of characters or just a beard, <laughs> just like shavings on the floor, you know, that kind of thing. But it does it does actually open that up quite a lot, and I wonder if Jeremy mm-hmm. Renner will make an appearance in that. Certainly, given their relationship. He was on house arrest at that point, though. Yeah, true, true. The only one that it really opens up for is Cap. Well. The, the return of Tony Stark. You heard <laughs> it here first. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, the one of the other big announcements was the Eternals, uh, a movie for set for a sixth of November twenty twenty release. Includes Angelina Jolie, uh, Richard Madden, Camille uh, Nanjiani, Sami Haik. Uh, the Eternals are kind of space gods. Uh, they were written by Jack um, Kirby, Kurt hey. Russell, and Guardians Two, wasn't he? No, Eternal. he was a Celestial. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the Eternals were actually created by the Celestials. I knew they were links. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and were the the forefathers of mutants or something along those lines. It's very much Jack Kirby's new gods. Um, uh, I don't know what I don't I don't know what they're doing. The only the only thing that gives me faith is the fact that they. Marvel managed to make Guardians of the Galaxy into a, a great movie. Uh, 12th February 2021, we have the Shang-Chi Legend of the Ten Rings movie. Um, this confuses me. Cool. They've confirmed Mandarin. Yes. Different actor. 
Mandarin's already been in Iron Man 3. Yes, it might be polarizing, but didn't it, conf- didn't it fix that he was actually the Mandarin all no. the way through that? No, they didn't. I the, thought they did a one shot that one showed shot. that yeah. he wasn't. He he was in jail and uh, was, summoned was, by, was summoned by the real Mandarin. Summoned by the real Mandarin. Right, okay. Uh, it was all, all healed, healed to the king. Yeah. Um, that was head cannon. So, <laughs> Shang-Chi is an interesting one. I wasn't, re- I wasn't interested in it until this announcement and the, the thing that's really got me is the legend of the ten rings because yeah. the ten rings obviously were the terrorist organization that captured tony and put him in a cave and as soon as i saw that in the first iron man movie i was like it's the mandarin it's they, the mandarin um, you know they were mentioned recently in one of the movies as well they again. were yes something yeah yeah can't think what it was um but but uh yeah so we're, go- we're going to see the, the real mandarin now in Shang Chi is a, a character who is a martial arts master, and he can manipulate his chi to become better than human. You know that sort of thing. So there's a bit of a legend linked Iron Fist there, I guess. Yeah. Um, it was a product of the the kung fu craze yeah, of the seventies. Um, Did you see the uh, the tweet that the actor did? Couple of years ago, he put up being like Ray Marvel, me and you, Shang Chi. Yeah, that's and then he just replied to it the other day, being like, "Well, shit." <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. So that'll be an interesting one. Um, Blade is going to be back. Yeah, this was very much at the very end of the presentation, um, where they brought the actor out, whose name you're going to pronounce now, Marshali Ali. Yeah, it? otherwise known as Cottonmouth in yeah. the uh, Luke Cage series. Uh, it was a very cool way that they brought him out because they brought him out to the stage no one had any any idea why he was there then he pulls out like a little cap and he really took his time putting that cap on and then you just saw the blade logo and then the all the lights went down and then they just like really slowly brought up the blade logo on the screen um yeah i mean what this does is it confirms the existence of vampires in the mcu which is interesting first of all um, we are speculating that we think you could see Wesley Snipes as Whistler along the way. That would be pretty awesome. Really yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, that, no, that's just that's just <coughs> oh pure conjecture. Thinking, yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, what else was on there? Uh, we had the One Division series. We had so the Hawkeye have, TV series yeah. starring Jeremy Renner, which they used uh, a lot of logos and stuff from Matt Fraction's yeah, run. What if you have What, what if, if, which is an animated, animated series? Yeah, and it's this is this going to be MCU what if or just Marvel in general what if? It's gonna. I think it's going to be MCU what if. Yeah. I mean, there's not enough. There's not enough that I mean that they can twenty about twenty three movies a bunch of TV series they could now you know there if you look at the there was some fans that were pointing out if you look at the logo you can see a zombified Captain America behind it as if they're maybe going to do Marvel zombies you know so they can do those sorts of things that's you know? an interesting way of oh no you said that's an animated show though, it's an animated I was going to say it's an interesting way of maybe bringing back some of the original cast members to do voices yeah. and well stuff. that's what they were talking about yeah. doing yeah yeah um, um Falcon the Soldier. It's the one that has yes. my attention the yeah. most. Yeah, I have I'm to. Um, and then there's the Loki TV Loki show as well. as well, which I believe they did confirm is just going to take place straight after where he jumped yeah. out in yeah, Endgame with the Tesseract yeah. uh, in Endgame. So um, my only concern with all this is, do I need to watch all of these TV shows to understand what's happening in the movies? Um, I don't doubt it. it. I doubt it. I don't see it. I don't know though. It's the the thing is they've never steered us wrong, so still full faith. See, but at the same time, it's the first time. Like it's called yeah. a Marvel Cinematic Universe, but now we're introducing television to it. So I, I just slightly concerned. I'm going off of the Netflix stuff, but obviously that stuff's been cancelled, and it seems like they're trying to nice wipe that under the carpet a bit with well, even just Cottonmouth. Yeah, yeah. And this is the first time that they've made a big deal out of announcing these TV shows at Comic Con. Yeah. Mm, I mean, it's in some ways 
the the field of movie and TVs are now inseparable. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I think this is just a, a further move in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, it was posited that you know Stephen King's The Dark Tower series was going to be made into a series of movies with joining TV series, but mm-hmm. as usual, they screwed that up. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Still haven't watched that movie. Um, that's terrible. Fantastic so, Four as well. Well, the thing was, it sort of ended with Kevin Feige saying, you know, we have all of this and we don't even have time to talk about the Fantastic Four. He didn't, curiously, didn't say the X-Men, he said the mutants. Um, Though he then said that, that, you know, he then announced that it didn't really matter what he said because the X-Men were mutants and it wasn't, you know. And then he said, like, Captain Marvel 2, Black Panther 2. I mean, we know some of these are confirmed. I know James Gunn was on Twitter and he said no Guardians 3 until Suicide Squad 2 is done. See, this is is strange because it it seems to me that they're slowing down the movies because either they're going to set up for the next phase or... They are trying to well, I was reading an article from him earlier where he said they were contemplating announcing Phase Four and Five because they have mapped Apparently out the next Blades. five or six years. Apparently, Blades part of Phase Five. Yeah, is Blade, um, is Blade going to be a movie or a TV show? A movie. Okay, um, but it's it used to be four movies a year, now it's two, and that's okay. It's okay, but it was. I mean, whenever they started off, it was two movies. Yeah, you know, so they're that's fine. That's fine. You mean you start getting on the air production schedule? That's not like that. That's yeah. not. It's not sustainable. So um, was it really as many as four a year? It's four a year. Mm, was it? Yeah, no. I'm um, trying to think. Like, think of the year you had Black Panther. Avengers definitely was. Black Panther, Infinity War. Unless I'm thinking, I'm out of the wasps. Four a year, as in counting all the other studios. Yeah, because really I think you would have had Venom within that year, sort of thing. Um, but again, we don't even know if it's actually part of all this universe. It's more I the Sony it. universe, isn't it? Is yeah, the, uh, the multiverse of madness thing. Yeah. <laughs> multiverse of man uh, what a great title and that's supposedly in horror as well horror that's, and that's R-rated that's the one that got me excited the most yeah. um, we had the Watchmen trailer for the, for the Watchmen yeah. TV show did, which beyond how beautiful it looked we still, still don't really know what it's about, know what it's about. not a clue but uh, very long trailer it looked pretty um, yeah. you had the announcement of Batman Beyond coming to Blu-ray yes. which celebrates 20th anniversary which we're rather we excited about that. that that's the perfect partner to the Blu-ray of the, <laughs> the, the Batman animated, animated series yeah. coming out. the announcement that the, the Rick Grimes movie is going to come to cinemas and not just TV yeah they're linking up with Paramount I think it is to distribute that because um, uh, what do you call him what do you call him Gimble no. mm-hmm. Scott Gimble he came out and said that it was TV only and then Comic Con they went oh yeah Cinemas. Well, you talk to most Walking Dead fans. I don't like Scott Campbell uh, anyway. So, <laughs> um, you had uh, a lot of beautiful looking statues, which are going to empty my wallet, yeah. including a Dark Knight one, which my thumb is hovering over just uh, <laughs> before we even started this podcast. Uh, they had the trailer for Picard, which just gave me chills. Oh, fantastic! Um, which did that trailer show? people from previous Star Trek oh it, it showed oh, yeah it? it did yeah 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 I uh, saw a photo of like two people uh, obviously I'm not the biggest Trekkie so but uh, even I know who these characters track are or next gen this is, so this is the first continuation of the, yeah. the prime Trek universe you know yeah. that wasn't involved with J.J. Abrams sort of stuff you know whereas Discovery was beforehand you know um, so obviously it's years since Picard retired so um, are we getting like Deep Space Nine stuff. Uh, yeah, there's 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 a Voyager reference in there. There's a Next Generation reference in there. Um, there's it looks like we're getting more than just Picard, but the the story looks like it's going to be fairly stellar. The you know it's just You're getting his dogs. What's the yeah. dog called? You know which dog? His dog, Picard's dog. 
Picard is a dog. One of the main posters <laughs> is Picard standing, looking over like a big massive wheat field, yeah. and like a, no, I, I a had dog saw bathroom. like a clickbait article being like finally the dog's name's been revealed, and I didn't bother. To oh, I didn't. Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, not at all. Great. <laughs> I'll come back in that one. Um, so, oh, oh, the dog was called number one. Okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and it seems you know Picard's been living as in comfort with his dog in his vineyard in France and some trouble comes sort of after him with troubles uh, something to do potentially with the Borg uh, his most hated enemy uh, I think uh, Seven of Nine played by Jerry Ryan is in there for Voyager uh, and of course the bliss of seeing Brent Spiner back as Data it could be Data it could be B4 it could be uh, yeah B4 was the whenever Data gives life Yes. It was a like a rebooted version of him in Nemesis, was it? Was it Star Trek no, Nemesis? I don't think it was Nemesis. Might have been Nemesis. I think it was Nemesis. Um, I was. And I think it's also been confirmed that uh, Riker will be returning, Good. and uh, Deanna Troy will be returning. That's what I was talking about. That was a picture I saw of those yeah. two. So um, then, of course, there was another trailer which I would imagine would have excited you, Karen. Um, you had The Witcher. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> I, I, th- I think that's in the affirmative right there. Polarizing? Yeah. People who have no clue is polarized. People who are in the know love it. Yeah. Because it's, it's based on the books, isn't it? Based on the books and not the games. So people that know it's a book understand, but people that only think of it through the game have no clue. Yeah. Because there's a lot of changes between the book and the game because they just decided to change it. Yeah. But like even there's stuff there's, st- there's stuff on Twitter at the minute that I even noticed Xbox had tweeted at Netflix and was like, Where's his beard? And Netflix just replied in all capitals, It's in the books, he doesn't have a beard <laughs> <laughs> But there's there's some of the stuff that I noticed in the trailer that is in the books. Yeah. Like, I'm really excited for it. It um it looks like a fantasy show that I've wanted. Yeah, it's sort of there to fill the void of Game of Thrones ending, I suppose. It's probably uh, better than Game of Thrones. Well, you know, I can't comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was uh, a, a reworked as Dark Materials as well, but fantastical, isn't it? Yeah. Um, what about the comic announcements? There weren't an awful lot of them. Um, the main one that um, grabbed me, they, they sort of did announcements leading up to it rather than at it. Like they yeah. announced this whole Dark Multiverse one shots um, a little bit before it. Um, they announced the ending of Black Label. No, uh, sorry, Vertigo. Vertigo. <laughs> Don't, don't say that out loud, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> slap of the tongue. Freudian there. Black Label's already struggling. Um, yeah, that's it. I mean, the end and the Vertigo was, uh, that was, again, a little bit before. It's not over. SDCC. It's just renamed. Well, essentially, I mean, you don't really mind so much because they actually, again, another thing they announced before Comic-Con of Hellblazer coming back to celebrate one year of the Sandman universe. Yay. The main title that grabbed me was a Schneider, uh, Scott Schneider and Charles Soule one, which is called Undiscovered Country. This is going to be one that's set, um, this is going to be one that's going to be an image title. And they'd show this little um, sort of teaser image before it, saying 30 years ago the United States sealed itself off from the world without warning. Now the gates have finally opened and an expedition has been launched to see what lies beyond. A new adventure series from Charles Soule, Scott Schneider and Giuseppe Camoncoli. Um, so they showed a little bit more of that. Um, Still any word about the NOTG? 
No, still not. No. Feels like that would have been a Comic Con run into it. Yeah, it's uh, so for those who don't know, uh, Scott Schneider and Francesco Francavia, who worked together on the Black Mirror, um, they've announced a horror series with just the hashtag NOTG, which we're convinced is Night of the Something, and I was guessing Goblins. Goblins, Gargoyles. Um, Grapes. There was a lot of sort of ideas for that. But yeah, a lot of stuff they were showing at Comic-Con was stuff already announced. There was um, more stuff teased for Spawn 300, which is hitting soon. That's right. And there was panels on where Tom King's Batman's going and then on to the Batman Catwoman stuff. The uh, Adam Strange. Again, that came slightly after. Oh, yeah. uh, so this is an interesting story where... Um, so Mitch Dreads and Tom Keane are going to do another 12 issue maxi series but it's not going to be a sequel to anything it's just going to be a new new one but Mitch Dreads tweeted that if they won Eisner's DC would allow them to announce it earlier but if they didn't win the Eisner they weren't allowed to say anything because apparently it's a way off it's a good 68 months off oh, before okay. it starts but Mitch Dreads had some preview pages ready and they could announce it so it was going to be based on Strange Adventures so Adam Strange and the cool thing was that Mitch Dredds was able to show like these panels, like one was from Heroes in Crisis where I think it's Wally Westland on his yeah. bed and on the floor there's a copy of Strange Adventures and the very last panel of Mr. Miracle as well, he's wearing an Adam Strange t-shirt as well, so passing the baton almost. Uh, so there was that as well, but yeah there weren't, I, I always say SDCC is more for comics and movies, New York Comic Con's more part, the... Part of me was hoping we would get a Batman announcement, obviously with Tom King sort of leaving soon yeah well that's it I mean City of Bains just started issue 75 he'll be leaving on issue 85 so we would have thought maybe there would have been that maybe even just news on the DC restructuring because certain titles are going to go from fortnightly to monthly Um, I think that will all be NYCC stuff Um, it's later in the year yes Tom Keane's Batman runs coming to an end 10 issues but that's still 5 months you know there's still plenty of time there so um, there was a couple of big Marvel announcements or cool Marvel announcements anyway the fact that they're heading back to the 2099 universe in a big way that's right yeah uh, in fact that was heralded in Amazing Spider-Man the end of Amazing Spider-Man 25 yeah when uh, the uh, whoa 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 that's this month's that, okay yeah 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 um, <coughs> spoilers <laughs> shoo Fantastic Four glad uh, you stopped me there Fantastic Four Grand Design um, looking forward to that yeah, I haven't read any of the Grand Design books yet, but I should do. And then there <laughs> was the, the news of what they're doing with what Hickman's going to be doing with the X Men after House of X. I suppose, and yeah, of that's X. that's the big. I suppose that was the big comic announcement, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I remember we put it into our little group chat, and I think uh, I put in the the photo of it, and Keith just went, "That's the glory ninety days lineup right there." It absolutely so is. It was X Men. It was X Force. It was uh, Marauders, Excalibur, New Mutants, and Fallen and Angels. Fallen Angels. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, it it actually kicks off this week. House of X, and then there's going to be House of X, Powers of X. Sorry, Powers of Ten. Uh, six issues of each. Then it seems to be that that's all going to lead into these. Um, yeah. These six uh, series that were launched. Um, going back to trailers, that uh, Jen and Bob. True. Yeah, I mean, Jen and Bob's one that I will definitely see opening weekend. The trailer was a lot of fun. Loads of references and cameos. Couldn't believe a point. I actually pointed at the screen and I went, "That's Affleck." <laughs> <laughs> he looked a lot younger as well. He did. He did. Um, but yeah, because you saw Matt Damon in the trailer and you're like, "Yeah, well, you know, they they still get on," but. Um, with Affleck being on I thought that was pretty cool um, thought the addition of Melissa Benoist in there 
Playing a superhero was ben good, given that she pays. Uh, I always thought it was Benoit. No, it's Benoist. I thought she was French. She's French Canadian. Same thing. <laughs> I think. Um, I think I heard so, someone someone pronounced her name and said it was Benoist. <laughs> uh, but no, my pronunciation skills, you know, yeah, it's probably wrong. Yeah, you know. yeah. I'm sure Keith will uh, correct me in a minute. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that be thriller was cool. You know, um, need to watch it. Need to watch it. It's a red band thriller as well, so it's oh, one of those okay. proper swearing and you know, dick and fart cool. jokes all the way through it. It's it's a Kevin Smith thriller. It's a Kevin Smith, Jen, Silent Bob thriller. So <laughs> Marvel were saying that uh, that well, CB Belusky was saying uh, the editor in chief has been saying that they've got a good couple of years building upon characters' pasts and building upon taking building upon their pasts and building upon the characters. And the next card they're going to take a hard look at is Ghost Rider. Uh, which is kind of interesting. It's going to feature Danny Ketch and Johnny Blaze, so we're going back okay. to the originals. Uh, they brought uh, Donny Cates on to talk about Absolute Carnage, which is starting this month, is it? A couple of weeks, a yeah. A couple of weeks' time. Uh, you know, so he was saying, Cletus Cassidy's bag, he's essentially got the parts of a god, he's going to be hunting down anyone who's ever been a symbiote. Uh, this is an event that's going to be affecting, of course, the entire Marvel Universe. It's pretty brutal. As ever. Uh, it all ends here. They chatted. Time is running out. <laughs> <laughs> Every comic you've ever read. This is the most important thing ever in the history of comics. Uh, chatted a wee bit about Jade, the Abram, the Abram uh, family's uh, right. Spider Man. They chatted a wee bit about Marvel Comics One Thousand. They they got a wee bit towards it. Uh, yeah, that's it's, a new. That's it's a, new. a it's a monster eighty page comic, eighty creative teams, one story. We haven't really revealed rich creators are working together. Uh, yeah. Jonathan Hickman and Dustin Weaver on Apocalypse, Kieran Gillen and Doug Braithwaite on Loki, Salon Ahmed and uh, Steve Root on The Thing, Christopher it's Priest. Be eighty different characters. Death, Death, Star Wars is in it though. Darth Vader. There's a Darth Vader page. Anyway, well, the best part about this is that. The story's too big for Marvel One Thousand, so oh, yeah. Marvel One Thousand and One has been announced. So we were chatting, uh, we were chatting about the X Men announcements, and you and I earlier on were chatting about the creative teams. So the Marauders by Jerry Dugan and Matteo Lolly, uh, featuring Pyro, Iceman, Storm, Bishop, Emma Frost, and Kitty Pride. Excalibur, which is the one that really has me excited, yeah. they were the, the like the UK X Men team by Tini Hard and Marcus Toe, uh, featuring Richter, Jubilee, Gambit, really Rogue. Psylocke, aka the new captain, the new Captain Britain. She's obviously taken over the mantle from her brother Brian. And Apocalypse, uh, X Force by Benjamin Percy and Joshua Kassara, featuring Wolverine, Marvel Girl, Domino Beast. Here, X Force. I think I felt so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kid, Kid Omega, Sage, Colossus, and Black Tom. Fallen Angels by Brian Hill and Simon Kudransky featuring X-23 Cable and Psylocke oh Kudransky that's the artist on Punisher that's, uh, I thought that was the um, musician behind Drive mm, but it's not <laughs> Cliff Martinez it's not uh, Psylocke I think it's on the uh, Nightfall uh, night something it's not uh, song. It's not, not Betsy Braddy, Braddock Psylocke I would say it's Quanon. Uh New Mutants by Jonathan Hinkman writing the first arc and Ed Breeson taking over after the first arc and Rod Reyes Featuring Magic, Sunspot, Cypher, Mirage, Karma, Wolfsby, and Chamber, and Mondo. And X-Men by Jonathan Hickman and Lionel Francis Hugh, featuring every Marvel mutant. Some good creative teams. There is. Yeah. X-Men. Yep. Yeah, looking forward to House of X. It kicks off this week, so I'm sure it'll be something we will chat about next month. Cool. Um, good or bad, but uh, yeah, I have hopes for it. I, think I it, have it hopes will be for good. it too, yeah. Keith so. Allen's looking forward to a Marvel book. It's not for the first time. <laughs> 
Alan's for the Marvel book that's not Spider-Man for a change <laughs> <laughs> or Silver Surfer or Daredevil because they're, they're the usual three um, but yeah so that was just our sort of quick rundown of the stuff we were stuff that caught our attention at uh, SDCC um, I suppose we should jump into some books uh, as I say we're going to slightly cheat here at the start I'll throw out a spoiler warning for this one obviously one of the reasons we do the review show as late as we do is because we, uh, we want to make sure that we don't give too many spoilers away but the whole reason I wanted to like lead with this up front is because this was spoiled for everybody. Yeah. And it really, really frustrated me. Uh, it frustrated me as a fan. It frustrated me as a retailer. Um, so we're talking about Walking Dead 193, um, which I've put in my notes as time for a proper rant about news reporting outlets. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the news broke of this. I'll be honest, I had no idea about this, Like even as a retailer. Um, We've we've talked about him before, and we've you know heralded him before. But Robert Kirkman is comics. He understands the industry. He loves the industry. He knows how to play with it a bit. And he's demonstrated on more than one occasion that he's got an, a, a huge amount of credibility. Yeah. And this is no this yes. is no exception. This is definitely no exception. And this was this was something that like The Walking Dead. I I've actually referred to Walking Dead as kind of a comic security blanket. It's just always been there. Um, but so one nine three was coming out. And they had already solicited for 194. They'd showed issue covers for 195. But then what happened was that the day before um, it actually came out, all these articles started popping up. And I'm, I'm happy to name and shame. Newsarama, comicbook.com. Before the, the news article started doing it, there's, there's one person that shouldn't have done it, that should have just kept Stum, uh-huh. Kirkman. Kirkman did it. Himself. Kirkman went up on Twitter and went, "Don't look at anything for this issue." Where he should have just shut his mouth and just let it come out. But he had obviously seen these other things were coming up, and he yeah. was trying to step in and say yeah, to fans. I think, exactly I think though, him coming out and saying, "Don't read it. Don't look at this stuff. Just sit down and read the issue." Yeah, but he's it's done sort it. of him backing up. The, he's done the that before in Walking Dead, though, with big things happening. So this was yeah. not like the first time he's ever come out. I and think said, what, yeah, I think what happened there was it was a secret. He did went to to a great deal of trouble to keep it secret yeah. to yeah. make sure that it would be a surprise. Uh, and then of course you had you know yeah. these a-holes spoiling it so the news came out and so I think Kirkman went online and went right listen you know tried mm. to try to try to make sure fans were go- weren't going to have the story spoiled for yeah. them no, so I, was re- I was watching a interview with um, Charlie Adler who obviously does the art and he was saying that he almost broke radio silence over it because he doesn't tweet all that much he only yeah. tweets sort of every <clears throat> once in a while but he almost came out and was like don't look at anything but then he went, no. That'll only escalate. Somebody will, somebody will notice that I haven't tweeted in a while and think I've went out of my way to do this. Mm. And then he saw Kirkman did it and he was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, you sort of, <laughs> when it comes to that, you're sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah. You know? Well, the thing with Kirkman doing it as well, at least it was just, he was bringing attention to the issue, but he wasn't yeah. outright saying what it was. Whereas the problem with those other sites that I've already mentioned was the, headlines the headline wasn't, up. I mean, the headline wasn't, you know, Massive you'll never shooter. believe what yeah. happens in The Walking Dead this week. Click for spoilers. <laughs> the headline was literally Walking Dead, one, Walking Dead to end this week report. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even just like we're going to speculate. It was report. So basically the day before it came out, it was announced. Oh, by the way, guys, this is the last issue. Um, well, it's funny the day before it comes out is the day that all the comic retailers get it. Yeah, uh-huh. and the problem with that is a you're spoiling it for people. B when it like when we got our delivery and I opened the box and start flicking through the comics and you see, and you pull out this issue of Walking Dead and it's triple sized. It's still the same well, price. I had, had confirmed there was a bigger issue. 
Um, but you know what I mean. But it was still the same price. Yeah. I mean, this could have easily been a nine dollar book or an eight dollar book. He still released at three dollars ninety nine. That um, that reminded me of when they did the twenty five cent issue. Yep, that's right. It was um, was at the start of a new beginning. So one two seven. Um, but like even down to the fact that they called it the farmhouse. Like any Walking Dead issue always comes with a subtitle. Now for the second print, that's going to be the end, uh-huh. which again is holding that back. And it's only when you read the issue and you get to the end, there's this long six page letter from Kirkman. And the thing is, the issue ends really beautifully. Um, I should actually say just before that. Um, so Keith trade reads Walking Dead. So I knew, and I have um, done for sixteen years. And he he knew what happened in the last arc because unfortunately again due to the joy of the internet or in this case sorry the joy of a podcast he knew what happened in the issue that we actually should be talking about yeah (laughs) he knew what happened in 192 but when he and that was that was that was annoying because that was spoiled by by a a site and a podcast that I've come to really enjoy yeah and then the same dickheads (laughs) spoiled the next or you know tried to spoil the next one you know it was and I had if it wasn't for you Hit me up ahead of time. Yeah, you know. Well, that's it. So Keith came in on the Wednesday afternoon, and sorry, it wasn't Wednesday. It was a Tuesday because I was getting ready to um, do everything. But I had my own copy there, and I said to Keith, "Look, just read this." And he goes, "I haven't read the previous trade." And I said, "Look, just trust me. Just read it. You know the big thing that happens in the last trade. Unfortunately, just read this. Trust me." Because we were we were trying to do our best to minimize the damage for everybody that reads it. We even put out our own Facebook stuff saying, "Look, guys, just try and avoid it if you can because it is excellent." But the amount of effort Kirkman went to make this a surprise was incredible. And then it just got ruined because people put it in the headlines. It just yeah. a really, really, you know, I don't swear often, but it really, really fucked me off uh-huh. big time. Um, because this is a series that deserves respect. Kirkman deserves respect for the effort he went to with it as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the issue itself, wonderful end to, you know, a long-running saga. We've, we've always said as well what's good about Kirkman is... He's not interested in your, you know, foil covers and your many variants and all the rest. He's he's literally when a story's over, it's over. He could have easily drawn this out for seven more issues, went for oh issue two hundred, you know, covers from thirty of the top, you know, thirty of the uh, the top artists in the industry, but he didn't. He was like, time to end it. Happy to do so. Yeah. Um, though I do have to admit, he, he did slightly contradict himself when he always said like The Walking Dead would continue without <laughs> without a certain character. Um, and then as soon as that character started, I was like, no, more that's, that's Kirkman being Kirkman <laughs> again. That's the, yeah, I've got this planned. Oh, I'll keep going without Rick. <laughs> well, he also said that in the first trade, I sent it to you last night, was it? Yeah. Where he's like, you'll find out what happens to Rick and that's where it ends. Yeah. No, that's true. But, um, yeah, again, we'll not go into too many spoilers to say, cause we're slightly getting ahead of ourselves yeah. with this, maybe going into it more next month, but you know, the, the action moves forward a number of years. Um, the world's a very different place now. As as soon as I opened the first issue, or the first page and realized that it had jumped, that's when I knew it, it was over. Yeah. Because it was one of those things where you sort of doubted that it was over because it was rumors at that stage. And it's like, no, nah, they can't be ending it here. Yeah. Oh, I, whenever, then, whenever Alan handed it to me, I, I sort of picked it up with a wee bit of a cold sweat. <laughs> it was like See, oh, that's happened the last three issues. Really. Yeah, and I whenever whenever I was a few issues in, I thought, oh, this this feels like a finish. I yeah. had a cold sweat reading it because I was I was sitting reading it thinking, please don't be the end, please yeah. don't be the end. You know what I mean? I read it on a fucking bus. That's how <laughs> that's how much I needed to read this. I just stopped doing my delivery. I just, <laughs> I, just I almost locked the door, but luckily no one came in. Oh, but um, I just really wanted to get through it and have as little spoil as possible. But. Yeah. Uh, 
every character who's still around in the series gets their moment except for one notable one but that was a, a conscientious you know story choice um they but, get they get a moment though they get mentioned but the one thing i do want to point out um it's not too much spoilers but one thing i just thought was such a brilliant meta moment oh that was the yes. moment that i that i sort of gasped a wee bit and you were yeah i knew where you were um anyone who reads walking dead and trades on the back of the trades they always have the same little bit um they don't necessarily tell you what the story they've never is. told you they've never told no. you where it's come where that where that speech has come from yeah they've never told you it was just a thing that kirkman had written on the back of the, on the, the back of the trades yeah which was essentially how many hours are in a day when you don't spend half of them watching television when is the last time any of us really worked to get something that we wanted? How long has it been since any of us has really needed something that we wanted? The world we knew is gone. The world of commerce and frivolous necessity has been replaced by a world of survival and responsibility. An epidemic of apocalyptic proportions has swept the globe, causing the dead to rise and feed on the living. In a matter of months, society has crumbled. No government, no grocery stores, no mail delivery, no cable TV. In a world ruled by the dead, we are forced to finally start living. And this was quoted in the book in the very last issue by Michonne. And it's also part of a statue for... The words at the base of a certain statue that yeah. you all had to walk past to get into this building. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, just thought it was a building. beautifully, beautiful meta moment. Um, but yeah, it, it wraps up everybody's story really, really well. Um, finishes on a really nice note where you just want to go back to the start and read it again, yeah, as Kieran has already started doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, as I said, just I wanted to have a wee bit of a rant about that because it was something as I say on a base level just as a fan really annoying me yeah. but as a retailer as well it was there's um, there's a lot more I want to go into detail but obviously with Keith not actually being up to date I don't want to uh, when's the trade out uh, October uh, I think it's end of September actually September. so it's it's not too far away I thought it um, came out at the same time as you know what um, give me give me your last few singles oh. and I will <laughs> read them and then we can talk about it all in the next reviews podcast fair enough how's that <laughs> you turned that around beautifully <laughs> Um, yeah so anyway that's uh, Walking Dead 193 uh, again a slight cheat so and, I mean we should say that we try not to be spoilery you know on, on our previous podcast obviously and yeah. our, our well our book club is kind of a spoiler for the one book that we're, we're reading but and the reviews the reviews podcast this one that we do now tends to be spoiler filled yeah uh, well that's we, a we, conscious decision yeah and we try to we try to do books the month before so yeah so we know, can talk about them I mean Keith will even say himself he's not fully up to date on last month's just you know life getting in the way and holidays and bits and bobs but oh, far from up to date far from up to date <laughs> I was trying to be nice about it um, <laughs> but you know what I mean sometimes you don't get to read something straight away so that's why we came up with this format to only go for books from a month ago because it gives you time you know and if, any, if anybody you know if any of our listeners think that maybe we're we are been too spoilery or we're, or we're too close to when the books are released let us know and we can yeah. We'll yeah. do something about it because the last thing that any of us want to do or that Alan wants spoil to do in the anything. shop is to spoil anybody's enjoyment of anything mm. uh, Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father what? <laughs> I see dead people but yeah I'm going to have the open frames they actually give you the last couple of issues because <laughs> there's, there's certain issues up in my wall in frames now ah, he's alright he's got his own copy of 192 so if it's that one you're, you're alright <laughs> Um, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, that's one of the ones I was going to have. <laughs> As I say, I was Walking Dead one nine three. Um, so yeah, just thought we'd check in next with uh, DC's Black Label. Um, I get the feeling with Black Label now it's going to become more and more prominent because, as we mentioned before, you know the the closing of the name Vertigo. 
that's so that DC can rebrand their comics into three different categories. So you're going to have DC Kids, which is going to be sort of aimed at you know readers 10 and under. You're going to have the DC Universe, which is aimed at your teenage readers and above. And then you're going to have DC Black Label, which is going to be sort of your mature rated uh, titles. Um, the reason I say it's going to um, get a bit of momentum now is because they've announced a new series called Harleen. They have announced The Question. They yeah. have announced uh, a Joker book uh, from a great creative team, Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. So they're really starting to go with the black label stuff and it's good to see something like The Question creeping in there instead of it all just yeah. being bat books and maybe Superman books, that kind of thing. He's making um, noise. He is making noise. Um, <laughs> but he's trying to make less noise. Uh, suffering from a bit of hay fever just like myself. But uh, yeah, as I say, with Black Label, just thought we'd check in because there was two notable releases uh, this month. Um, you had Kieran's most anticipated title of the year, Batman Dam number three. Fuck. <laughs> and Superman Year One. Um, so, is is it nice to say that Black Label is just going to be square from now on? Because another question was confirmed to be to be a square book. For me, says. for me, DC Black Label is the magazine format, whereas. Uh, I get the Capullo feeling. No. I get the feeling Capullo. I could be totally wrong on this. This is pure conjecture on my point. Capullo's because told them to go fuck themselves. Essentially, Capullo's went. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Uh, I think he has the clout and the reputation of DC to do that. I also believe that he would look at this as this is See, mine and Scott's last Batman story. Yeah. We'll tell it how we want. See, because Capullo's art as well, it always seems sort of. It doesn't seem as detailed as other artists. Yeah. So it could even be a case where the other artists won. I can show off what I can do. In well, these bigger is, that, that's the thing. The bigger format, in a sense, it, it makes it more of an artist medium. Yeah, you know that's the thing. And if, with if we learned anything from Batman Dam, that was more the art than the story. Very much so. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be honest. Once we reach this issue, I mean, I I had very little care for it. We'll not go into too many spoilers because Keith hasn't. This is one he's not caught up. Well, way, it's not one that I'm worried about. Um, Batman dies. <laughs> Your black label dies. So. With, with Dan 3, I'll be honest, I really enjoyed this issue and I went into it thinking like, I just don't care, I just want this to be over, it's, I think it was seven months it was spread over, yeah. um, due to obviously all the controversy with issue one, but this issue for me was what I thought Dan was going to be, it had Constantine in it, it had Swamp Thing in it, it had Zatanna in it, it was the more mystical side of the DC universe, which really suits Libra Mayo's dark art style. Um, dark arts? But for me, the the whole crux of Batman Damned that's in the title it's just basically three issues of the Joker and Batman are going to be doing this forever and they're yeah. stuck in a loop they're always going to be doing it forever um, we'll not go into any more detail on that as I say but it genuinely is a good book um, I think it's the best of the three issues but it's still yeah, like you could add all three together they still wouldn't be as good as it, last it, night number it one it felt like loads of filler yeah. there was just there, even issue, issue two specifically felt like it was just doing shit for the sake of doing stuff yeah, like the whole stuff, and you get the feeling issue two was very edited as well. They, um, they brought Adrigan in, they, they, there was no reason to bring Adrigan in or to have him just to be ra- a rapper. Yeah, the, the, the that was a cool idea, it was a cool idea, but it was yeah. unnecessary. Yeah. It didn't add the story, it didn't take away from the story, it just was there. It was just a case of constantly mind. Oh, I can find someone who helps. And the other thing is, you wonder speaking. how much the book was edited after yeah. issue one. You know, well, we know that there was one part, yeah. Um, which we didn't really care about anyway. No. Um, but anyway, that was Batman Dam Three. As so, I say, I would say as the first being the first DC Black Label title, thoroughly underwhelming. Yeah, I was uh, again. We're just talking about the format. I don't like it at all. No, I'm not a fan of this course. Um, 
I didn't like it in Batman Dance, but on this next title, I really like it. I mean, is, is that, are, are you suggesting? Are you suggesting that the black label stuff? I think it's going to be this size from now. So, Curse the, of the White Knight is Curse of the White Knight. That's a good question. Black label. I think that might be just normal magazine size. I think it'll be normal size normal because the f- size. because it's a sequel to yeah. an already established series. It's I think it'll be normal questions, size. Questions definitely. We'll find out tomorrow <laughs> when the delivery comes because I this week. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, um, the question was definitely squares. squares Harleen was definitely squares. Harleen's square. definitely. Uh, they haven't announced with the Joker Harleen one yet. What, were the, so what was the next three? Sorry, so you've got, they've announced uh, uh, one based on the question. Okay. They've announced Harleen, uh, which is the Harley Quinn one. And they have announced the Joker one by Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino, which is a great creative team. Have they um, given any plot details? Nothing. Um, there was another one everyone thought was going to be Black Label, but it's not. It's a Year of the Villain one shot, and that's John Carpenter doing Joker. Yes, that's which right. the question is one that might interest me. Now. The, well, yeah. that's that's it. You know, it's um, it's nice to see them going outside of you know who's, just a traditional bat. Who's on the question? Um, I'm not actually. That's the question. Hey, we could see Bendis because obviously he brought the question in the actual comics a good bit. Yeah. Um, let me double check that. Test of how quick I am. <laughs> well, Jeff Lemire was talking about the two Black Label books, so does that mean that he will? He will. Jeff Lemire's in the book. Oh. So, uh, Jeff Lemire, and uh, it's there's also another series which is going to be Harley Joker from Cami Garcia. That's the one that Mike Mayhew is drawing, which okay. is uh, quite the artist coup, I would say. Um, but yeah Joker killer smile with art by Andrea Sorrentino um, apparently Jeff Lemire's Joker story is about what the Joker could do to people okay that's literally all it says right well um, that narrows it down <laughs> but what I will say is that um, I love Andrea Sorrentino's art love love it so I'm well, it's going to be score bound so you're going to love it um, <laughs> let's see the panel was winding down so Lemire had to be quick when talking about his next book the question the deaths of Vic Sage okay um, the question is fighting an adversary with a thousand faces and the book is about what the question would be facing in a modern era so yeah they're going to be the next two or the next few books editor Chris Conroy identified the two stories as album format titles on Twitter the new series is that what he means by that album uh, format it will be album sizes and like vinyl albums surely they're not going to get bigger <laughs> no, you know it's uh, we'll, not quite we'll, we'll, we need bigger bags of boards <laughs> <laughs> do any bigger bikes <laughs> anyway that all gets us away from the the debut title for Black Label that month which was Superman Year One uh, Frank Miller coming back to comics first title he has written solo I would say since probably the absolutely awful Holy Terror because um, he wrote Dark Knight 3 with Bran Azzarello he did yeah um, and this is John Romita Jr. on Superman <clears throat> now John Romita Jr. is an artist that I I love when he did New 52 Superman, though, I wasn't a huge fan. No. I think his art in this is such a massive improvement. I put a lot of that down to the fact that Danny Meeky is inking it. And Alex Sinclair in colours. It sort of softens his work a little bit. But, yeah, Superman Year One, I'll... I don't think there was as much sort of hype for this as there no. was for Damned. Um, I don't know whether people are maybe just a bit fed up with Frank Miller's shtick I know a certain person at this table is not a huge fan Um, but I did get him to read it there beforehand he still has not told me his thoughts so lead the way go on no no go ahead no no (laughs) no no, we want to know go for it John Romero Jr is fantastic he is what about Frank (laughs) 
It's so it's clearly Elseworlds. Uh, it's the it's, it, it's I call it the Miller verse. It's set yeah. in the same continuity apparently as the Dark Knight. It is. Right. So uh, earlier, earlier than earlier yeah. than the Dark Knight. Um, and there's a few there's a few differences there. Um, so one the the one that the first one that I noticed is well first of all who is who's the narrator? Superman. Not Superman because it's just look at mum and dad. No, it's not because he talks about himself in the third person. He does that as well. Um. I need to read it again. Dad's, Dad's new rocket. He's been building it for months. She puts him in. She says goodbye. She puts him in. She doesn't put Dad. She puts them. Give me a combination of the two. But I always took it primarily. all the way through. There's someone else. There's someone else unless, watching this. Yeah, unless that's something we've yet to get to. The pod wasn't the pod speaking at one point. Was it? Was no, because because the, the, that and the no, same individual is Dad as well. So um, the same individual is narrates it all the way through. Uh, all the way through and refers to Clark as Clark Kent and you know okay. so that's interesting unless something later on he's uh, like you know what I'm not Clark Kent I'm Superman the other thing that's interesting is we all know that uh, Jor-El educated Kal-El in the pod mm-hmm. you know and let him know about this yeah. and that and the other uh, he doesn't seem to do that in this pod there is something there is some of it though because he's like a new yeah. planet the one dad promised yeah there's something later in a couple of pages time we're flicking through the book by the way uh, that says that the the pods taught him something. It's like explaining Earth or something to him. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's like wake up, my son. So there's Jor El now as has taken over narration. Wake up, my son. Wake up. You have much to do. A world awaits. A living world. A world of terror and wonders. A world that needs you. A world you must save. Um, what what intrigued me about it? So obviously, Superman Year One is a it's a different take on a very classic established story. Yeah. The thing with Superman is, how many times can you tell the same story? What I like about this is it tries to do something different. Um, Superman, when he arrives, is definitely older, because any other Superman story, he's a baby wrapped up. No. Essentially, no. No, he ages in the the pod. Really? Uh Uh, Specifically, even the Chris Reeve movie, he's a toddler. He is, yeah. Okay, fair enough. A wee naked toddler. Showing my... Uh, preference for Batman right there um, but yeah I mean a lot of the other stuff is is very similar you know it's uh, the pod lands uh, Pa Kent uh, Jonathan Kent finds him I don't know I, I just love some of the narration some of the descriptions like you know picking the tyke up is like hefting an engine block what yeah. the heck is this kid made of um, you know brings him home to the farm like just even Ma Kemp being like those eyes of his, it's like they've seen worlds upon worlds. It's like they can see right through me. And what's what? But prior to that, uh, there's a scene where he, he he touches John and Kent's face. John yes. Kent feels something probe inside his skull. A gentle warmth it's, makes him feel like there's some sort of um, psychic connection that Clark has in this for some reason. For some reason, Frank. Frank. Thanks, Frank. Frank. Then again, I mean, what I liked about it was there was a lot of lightness of touch early on. You know, the scene where he's jumping up and down in the cornfields and yeah. stuff. I think it's great fun. And then he just literally turns up straight at, you know, his mother's it's a bit feet. creepy. It's a bit creepy. Um, but he's, still, he's getting used to the world around him. But even stuff like here, like he doesn't understand how to tell his mum that things are too hot. Hot, hot, hot. It's too hot, too hot. Show her. And it's like... Sets the curtains on fire. Sets the curtains on fire. Um, it just made me want to watch Man of Steel the thing is and I can't emphasize this enough I've, I know I've talked about this before but I always listen to movie scores when reading see listen to Man of Steel's score with this was actually outstanding um, but again lots of humor you know he's 
he's going to get the ball from under the truck so of course he topples the truck just to get it back um, then he ends up at school I mean I, I really love this bit for example where he's trying to fit a space helmet on this kid Mickey's head because Clark becomes one of the outcasts and he helps the other outcasts and the helmet won't fit over his head so I just love the wee detail of the tongue sticking out <laughs> just as he's ripping the back of the helmet just so it'll fit over I will go back to what you just said there in terms of for me John Romita Jr. is the star of this yeah. You know, yeah. I like the writing I love the art um, I love the story of how he's developing everything with Lana um, I love that he really tries to rein in his parts for ages like these kids are clearly bullies they throw eggs at them they call them names they make their lives misery but then it takes something really big for yeah. him to finally decide you know what I've had that, enough this, I really enjoyed. Yeah. this yeah. is wrong and this this seems to be one of the um, in fact before I get to that just that is just one of the best mm-hmm. pages of art I've ever seen and colours and everything it's where Clark's sitting on top of one of the uh, slurry tanks is, it? is that what it is so either a slurry, or, a slurry tank or like a like a, like a corn something yeah. or other it's a farm thing it's one of the big farm things yeah. it looks like a big phallus <laughs> but yeah for me this this is going to be yeah this is going to be a print that Romita Jr. will be selling at cons for a long long time and to come Romita's really reading himself in a wee bit made things a wee bit more, more lines. I think some of that is the inker and the colours that's what I mean yeah. I think it's a perfect marriage um, because I went back and looked at some of his Superman New 52 stuff and it is very scratchy very as you say lots of lines um, and as you say it's been reined in here but uh, yeah it brought you to the scene that seemed to yeah. this seemed to polarise a lot of people and this is the attempted rape of Lana uh-huh. And this is the moment where Clark decides this is wrong, and I'm stepping in and I'm doing this, something. This point's where it started feeling like Frank Miller book. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, you can even see that in the colors because for the first half of the book, it's bright. so bright yeah. and colorful. Like even the night scenes have a warmth to them. This is when the coldness starts coming into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Clark sort of teaches the bullies a lesson. But then I do love the scene where he sort of like takes her up flying and all this kind of stuff. Um, but then, yeah, you get a bit of brightness again with him, you know, starting to discover love for the first time and, you know, ends up playing football and all this kind of stuff. I, I don't know. I, I seem to be in the minority and that I really, really enjoyed, yeah, enjoyed this. Um, there have been a lot of people giving a crap, um, especially because of the ending where Clark goes on a bus. And I have Navy. a problem with the ending, but it's not the same problem everybody else has. Okay, well, what's your? Does the whole part on the on the bus where he's like, "Oh, I'm not gonna be able to see Lana for a while," but he can fucking fly. But he can't. He's not quite supersonic yet, is he? He's not he quite. He can still fly. He's still, well, like, he's still Yeah, but if he's on the other yeah. side of the world, you know what I mean? Because oh, well, the whole idea is he's joining the navy. So, see no, the whole na- from the, the navy school that he's in. That's that's. See the whole navy thing. This is where it seems to be annoying some people. Yeah. I don't mind it for this story it makes sense for that because universe. this is a kid who lives on a farm in the middle of Hicksville nowhere and he wants to see the world he has no resources no money be- beyond what his mum and dad give him and they already they're like they always remind me of the Parkers and the yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. they will do anything to help but they can only afford so much so this is a way for a boy with no money to see the world yeah. a no, lot it of- didn't bother it didn't bother uh, young Clark in the 1970s Superman movie he just went for a big long dander it's true he's turning the force gun he just kept running <laughs> um, no but you have to look at it as well Is it's in the same universe as 
Dark Knight Returns and Superman's very patriotic and sort of on the and side Frank Miller's a bit militaristic and Frank Miller but that explains why Superman's like that so yeah so that, that's what I mean so that, that was my now I did enjoy it more than I thought uh, I did enjoy it more than I thought it wasn't quite as crazy Frank Miller as I thought it was going to be <laughs> um, that's my point I mean even like yeah. the little bit where he uses his you know vision to see Lana holding that sign and stuff there's a lot of sweetness to there it there is there is um, and because Miller was very vocal when he was writing this, saying this was going to be his love letter to Superman. But how many issues until until Batman shows up? I hope he doesn't. I feel like he does, but I hope he doesn't. I think I hope he walks past Bruce Wayne in the street or something. You know, I mean that's it. Frank Miller shows a wee bit of uh, self awareness here through Martha, through the mother. Mm-hmm. Why did you say uh, that? Name? What's that? Why did you say that name? What? <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> sorry. <yeah. laughs> Uh, Martha Grant, Martha Kent greets that husband of hers and that son of hers very politely. She asks polite questions. None of their answers are acceptable. She asks more polite questions. She hears more about Clark's plans. She hears all about Clark's idiotic plans. She hears all about Clark's very dangerous plans. Those plans that will waste his magnificent powers and abilities. Those insane plans that will let them reformat Clark's brain and turn him into some kind of robot, some kind of war machine. Clark's plans that will get the young fool killed, but they're taking her butt, you know. So it shows a wee bit of self awareness there because that's exactly sort of that's exactly what I was sort of fearing thinking you know, yeah. that, you know that they're going to make Clark and a, that some, some idiot boy soldier going away to fight some rich man's war only yeah. he can squash tanks with his bare hands and wipe out armies with breath you know yeah. so obviously yeah so I'm more interested in seeing what happens in issue 2 so am I but definitely that would be the the I'm surprised that Frank Miller's got that in there you know so that's that. That sort of softened my opinion on a wee bit, thinking he might be a wee bit self-aware instead of just a mad uh, right-wing fascistic git, as he appears to be, <laughs> as he appears to be in uh, in his Dark Knight stuff. Fair enough. Well, that was it. I mean, I even said this because we were lucky to see that panel last year that Frank Miller was part of. I expected him to come on and be the grumpy bastard and hardly talk, but he spoke more than anybody, smiled more than anybody, and. You know, was sitting just happy to sort of tell stories within the industry. So I don't know. Maybe he's softening with the age. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm not a Superman guy. I, I didn't go into this with, you know, my name's not Jared. I'm not like Frank Miller's the greatest <laughs> thing ever made. He wrote one of the greatest Batman stories of all time. Three of the greatest Batman stories of all time. Two. I take it back. Year one. Two of the greatest stories. He wrote some of the greatest Daredevil stories of all time. He wrote uh, Sin City, which was fantastic. But he also wrote Dark Knight Two. He also wrote Holy Terror. He also wrote a lot of crap as well. Yeah. So I didn't go into this thinking like with blinders. I know we've talked, for example, in the past about you know the cult of Tom Keane or the yeah, cult yeah, of yeah, just yeah. loving a writer just and everything they do without yeah. you know question. But I thoroughly enjoyed this, um, and as I say, the music actually really <laughs> helped. I can't com- I can't say that enough. Um, Have you read uh, Mark Wade and Lionel Francis Hughes Superman Birthright? Yes, twelve issue miniseries. Yeah, yeah. Birthright's a great one. It's fantastic. Um, Same thing. Yeah, I, um, it wasn't supposed to. It was written, so it was written out of canon actually, okay. and they adopted it as canon to replace uh, John Byrne's Man of Steel. Mm, right. And I can't remember if it was, it was one of them, 52, New 52, 50. One of them. One of them. I, um, I went in there with no expectation. I didn't even put it on a continuum for my pull list. I just wanted issue one to sort of get a touch of it. Um, at least it runs going on me. <laughs> it's not nothing, about certain, yep, nothing not to do with who you're working with more these days, no? No, 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 no. <laughs> He's not like shoving Superman stories in your face every day, going like, 
he's just standing behind me all day going Superman Superman <laughs> no because even when it, with <coughs> reading um, American Alien of came around to Superman American Alien's a tough one for me now though oh really because it's a fantastic story but it's written by Max Landis who's recently been outed for all the wrong reasons so I, I caught myself recommending it to someone in the store and I got halfway through my recommendation and I sort of went <laughs> Superman for All Seasons by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale is really good um, I just felt a bit uncomfortable with it but no, um, I um, I went in thinking Frank Miller's shit I, I, don't get me wrong Dark, Dark Knight Returns year one Born Again and Dark Knight 3 was fear. good as well I haven't read Dark Knight 3 I've, I haven't read much Frank Miller but I've read enough of his, stu- his bad stuff to know his style well, know that I don't like him anymore but then I read this one okay maybe yeah. you got one good story left in yeah it, it, that, that's it but it is it's, it goes back to the I'm looking forward to see what happens in issue 2 to, to continue reading it right let's get on with this well that's it it's just going to be we three issue as well like most of the black label stuff so yeah uh, that was the, the black label stuff Batman Damned and Superman Year One mm-hmm. Uh, may as well just jump on to a couple more DC titles and just rattle through some of the ones we really enjoyed um, another big event for DC which is very much outside of continuity is uh, Deceased or DC Eased or Deceased or however you want to pronounce it uh, I always call it Deceased but that's just me uh, so this was issue 2 it's just called DC Zombies come on let's <laughs> go um, yeah but Deceased number 2 the thing I found with Deceased is quick read it's a really quick read <laughs> yeah um i like it's it's a cracking story but it's just a really quick read mm-hmm. because it's almost like sort of a horror action movie it's just rattling along at pace it's not taking its time yeah. you know all the characters in it so it's just like let's have fun by killing them in as many uh gruesome ways as possible um so deceased number two it starts off with aquaman the middle of the north atlantic ocean um and at this point he's on a ship trying to find out if there's anybody there trying to see if anybody needs help and straight away he is just completely overwhelmed uh, that one panel's amazing which one's that it's just whenever he opens the door of the ship and he's like oh fuck yeah <laughs> it's just I, it reminded me of the first issue of Walking Dead when Rick opens the, the door I, in the canteen it's I am shit. surprised that they managed to avoid making an Aquaman taste and make fist joke <laughs> 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 if only there's the uh, the zombies talked in this, um, but yeah, very much the the sort of if there is such a thing, the shining light through this is Superman. Um, at this point, he is in Metropolis. He's got Damien by his side because Damien was hanging out with Jonathan Kent in yeah. the first issue. Uh, Lois is there as well, um, but yeah, the Metropolis is just burning around him. Um, it's nice to see Damien a wee bit shaken about mm-hmm. about Bruce. Yeah, about, not not just. Uh, 100% about his dad about Batman yeah you know yeah. Um, the other thing sorry I just noticed about the uh, there's a whole po- there's a point to that Aquaman scene because it's polluting the water well yeah exactly they need it. They need someone <laughs> they need someone who's in Atlantean <laughs> to bite all the other Atlanteans otherwise the Atlanteans are safe and sound yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah as I say a quick taste of Metropolis there um, and then you're back to Gotham where you see um, Poison Ivy and Harley hanging out a little bit of usual banter with them they both yeah. seem okay about everything and then you turn the page so and then there's just that beautiful panel with uh, Joker looking over his shoulder and the thing is 
in a weird way, even at this point, he I was still looks like the Joker. He just looks like a Joker. You you weren't even yeah. sure if he's infected in any way. Uh, the funny thing is that Harley's there to break up with him. Yeah, yeah, not um, not the going to issue three, but Harley's well written in this. Yeah, a lot of things I don't like Harley Quinn in. I felt the same. I'm not a big yeah. Harley fan. Could be that there's just not a lot of her. Um, I or, think there's too much of her. Or it could there's be too much and people too much of her, but people don't get the point of her. Uh, she's definitely written a lot more like the Harley and. Batman the Animated yeah. Series yeah um, then you're traversing out to outside Metropolis where you've got uh, Hal Jordan sitting around with Oliver Queen and sitting around with yeah, Dinah yeah. um, and then just what's more terrifying than a zombified Green Lantern <laughs> see this this series though it's it's these massively overpowered superheroes have been turned to zombies instantly yeah, yeah. right it's right. class uh, but it's great yeah because if you think about it it shouldn't happen but it's amazing well that's what's good about it I, I just love the idea of this series being that no one's safe mm. yeah. and what's funny is you know that the zombified Green Lantern I mean obviously they're, that, that scene's great it's a camping scene they're all out camping they're all you know uh, trained together and uh, marshmallows and all of that good yeah. stuff and uh, and uh, Hal goes to his tent and he's clearly on his phone in the tent and the, the virus spreads through technology isn't that right yeah, yeah. I keep having to remind myself of that yeah and then next thing uh, yeah next thing Hal comes out but you notice his Green Lantern shapes are totally indistinct and mm. just scraggy because he doesn't, he doesn't have the intelligence to to make anything you know they're just teeth and yeah anything and, coherent yeah so yeah uh, and then of course uh, yeah, just back for a little bit of Superman stuff with uh, the Daily Planet has been taken over as well, and straight away Clark's got his head bowed, you know, because he can see into the building, and Lois is saying, you know, people we know, and he's saying, yeah. yes. He's like, John, don't let anything through that door to I get back, um, and then he's off again. But this is where it got really interesting for me in this issue, where obviously um, Ollie's been able to take Hal down. And you just see well, Dana, the, I think, has been able Dana to take did it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a combination of the two, was it not? It was a scream mixed with um, his boxing glove arrow, really. There was, there was, <laughs> oh, I thought there was something he did with the arrow. I take it back. He shot him with it. But uh, obviously, because Dana took him down, the ring now deems her worthy, and she is then welcome to the Green Lantern um, court. Um, and she's like, "I don't want this." And Superman's turned on. He's like, "Take it. We're gonna need it." Um, but yeah, a little bit more stuff with Superman. And then you get to Batman. So at the end of issue one, Batman was being bitten by all different types of Robins, basically. Yeah. Apart from Damien himself. But I just love this image where Batman has been able to wear one of Mr. Freeze's suits to slow down his metabolism. So therefore, um, the virus will spread slower. But you just see Alfred stand there in the background with a shotgun, Shot, yeah, just like... Yeah, I'm fucking ready for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. So they're all trying to um, sort it all out, but... Again, I love the difference here between Superman and Batman. Superman's all feelings and empathy, and he's like, Bruce, Batman just straight away is like, there's literally no time for sending McClark. And then he just basically breaks it all down, you know, technological, biological, hi hybrid. It can be transferred through blood, through digital imagery, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I do like all Oliver Queen's line of, I always suspected we'd have to destroy the internet to save the world, oh. <laughs> which I thought was quite <laughs> fun. Um, and then you get to the last page, last couple of pages. Batman starting to turn. Again, you see Damien a little bit shaken. Yeah, yeah. You know, father, dad, and then he just breaks out of the. Um, well, he says, uh, he says, Damien, I, 
looks at a looks at a case with a bat symbol on it. And oh, yes, Alfred has something for you. So we sorry, I won't see you. Have to assume that he's going to become the next Batman. But even just that that great artwork, that horror imagery of just Batman's hand breaking through Freeze's helmet, and just like the blood starting to come down the uh, starting to come down the fingers. Yeah, yeah. And then he just turns and runs at Alfred, and he's just like, and then. This is something that Tom Taylor established in Batman Annual Number Three, Father's yeah. Day. Oh uh, yes, where you know obviously yeah, yeah. treats him as a as his father, and you know Alfred's just there with the shotgun. He's like, "I'm sorry, son." Bang, and end of issue. Krypton adverts. And then Krypton adverts at the back, just when you think you're getting another six or seven pages <laughs> of the good stuff. Um, yeah, deceased. Just a fun, fun series. It seems to get better as it keeps going. And it just amazes me that Tom Taylor writes this and then writes something as heartfelt and emotional, yeah. emotionally resonating as Friday Night Lights. It, it has the same. It has the same uh, feel uh, as Marvel Zombies did whenever Kirkman yeah. wrote it. That sort of almost throwaway, but really, really fun, really interesting. This will matter at the end of the day. And just the horror of seeing your heroes, yeah, being overwhelmed, completely and, broken down. Yeah, yeah, and not in the same way as uh, Tom King has broken down Batman and his. Yeah, series. Just wait until Tom, Tom Taylor gets it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced they won't write it, but we'll wait and see. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to throw, just speaking of Batman, just a little bit uh, of love the way of Batman '73. Um, I know the Batman series has had its up and downs with a lot of people. I know the Nightmares arc polarized a lot of people. It's real, and and I'm reading '73, knowing what happens in '74 and '75. '74 yeah, and '75 yeah. are both excellent. But a lot of that groundwork is laid here. Um, so this is the continuation of the uh, the fall and the fallen storyline, where uh, Bruce is basically over the back of his father's horse, uh, Flashpoint Batman, um, and he's being dragged out to the desert, and they're dragging a coffin behind them. Just beautiful artwork on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mikel Yannon and Jordi Belair special mention for the colors. Um, so again, he's working towards something, and he's actually getting to talk to Bruce a little bit as well. He also keeps taking down uh, different members from uh, Death in the Desert, or essentially as Al Ghul's minions, um, obviously protecting something. It does have that little Tom King trope of a poem or a yeah. song or a, you know that kind of thing. Um, but this all just seems really effortless to Nightmare Batman. He's able to take down all these guys and also look after Bruce the whole time. And then there was there was quite a. A panel that sh- you know shook me a little bit reading it, which was where Bruce wakes up, you know, having had nightmares of you know Bane, yeah. and obviously all the stuff that he's done to him here. But it's quite a nice scene after that in a way where Flashpoint Batman's sort of like Bruce, it's okay, it's all right. Um, you've been through something, you're coming out of something, you're going to be scared, and it's at this point you think that he's actually helping him. Um, but. Yeah, it's all all leading somewhere out into the middle of the desert. Again, it's hard to talk about it too much without going into seventy four. I mean, but the main crux of this part was that the the coffin is Martha, and that Flashpoint Batman's idea is that he never (laughs) he never wanted uh, Bruce to be Batman. So in his own twisted mind here, he just wants to make them a family again. Um, This is obviously the Martha from the main. DC continuity. See, this is something that confused me. I was like, is this Joker Martha or is this? Martha I don't think Martha? so because in seven, again, not to spoil too much, but in seventy four, I think he mentions that you know that his mother didn't die well on his word. So I think that this is going to be the Martha of this world. Yeah. Um, Jesus, this day she's got to be stinking. Yep, but you know, still his mom. Um, um, she'll come back and see him. So the way the Lazarus works. 
Yeah. So they they start talking to each other as if uh, as if um, Thomas here is Bruce's father and Bruce is Thomas's son. Yeah. But it's not the case. No. No. It's so not. Bruce's are Bruce from our. Bruce's are Bruce, but Thomas's flashpoint. Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so he's referring to the son that he lost essentially yeah. because it's see I took it as he lost them but up until that point they were exactly the same like there wasn't any difference between them what, what, so and the so obviously with the Flashpoint universe the point that Batman changed is where Bruce was killed instead of Thomas and Martha right so Bruce so and everything was exactly the same up right. until that oh, point oh okay okay <laughs> so whenever they're talking Bruce is remembering his experiences with <laughs> yeah. his father our Thomas Wayne yeah. Yeah. and, and Flashpoint is, ba- yeah. Flashpoint Thomas Wayne is remembering his experiences with Flashpoint Bruce Wayne yep. the kid yeah and that's the thing I mean Bruce has always you know he's never moved on from losing his father and and Thomas has never moved on from losing his son so in his own twisted mind he's you know bringing those two worlds together I suppose <clears throat> so his whole idea was basically to bring the family all back together and he had to sort of be broken and be brought away from being Batman um, but yeah this was very much a, an exposition type issue but it also laid the groundwork for where the, the run is now going yeah. to finish um, as I say 74 is an excellent um, I, um, an excellent follow I read 73, 74 and 75 back to back and it was it brought me back to Tom King's run yeah. so I was saying a few weeks ago I, I wasn't feeling it yeah it, it, it brought me back in and went okay I'm getting this it's good I like it I did exactly the same but I wasn't I mean Nightmares was an interesting arc but as soon as Nightmares it, as soon as it finished and I realised what was going on I thought oh, okay I can see what yeah. was being done there well Nightmares was interesting as well because I'd seen another it was actually you that pointed it towards me Keith which was uh, an iFanboy interview with Tom King and one of the reasons they had all the different artists on it was because Tom King was asked about this and he said look if I don't turn in my script in time, that artist doesn't get paid. If that artist doesn't get finished in time, he doesn't get paid. So the idea was, it was a way of stretching out and letting Mikel Yannon, who was the main artist on The Fallen, The Fallen, to get ahead of the game, was right, you get started on those issues, I'll bring in the, the equivalent of fill-in artists, yeah. but we can do one per issue, but it'll be a different style because it's a different nightmare. So it was, it was a clever way of making sure that the story kept going, but also of making sure that everybody, you know, Everyone has bills to pay, you know. Yeah. Everyone has has to make their money and all the rest. Um, he came across so differently in that to what I talking. Yeah, I yeah. don't, I don't know. I, because of the whole CIA thing and on you Twitter and stuff, you thought he was going to be very straight laced or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he just comes fun. across really geeky and really fun and loves what no, he he's does. He's younger than I was expecting. Actually, it's because he's younger than you, isn't it? He's, oh. he's, By like six months or something. Six months. <laughs> That was Keith's main takeaway when he told he's like, he's younger than me. I don't like this. <laughs> but not much. Like, you know. Um, so, yeah. He's a younger man in his 40s, too. He is. So, that was Batman 73. A um, little bit of love the way of Green Lantern. Yeah, sure. Uh, Green Lantern continues to be an interesting one from the uh, chaotic mind of Grant Morrison. Uh, sometimes I, most of the time I know what's going on <laughs> sometimes I don't and you just sort of kind of let I it find, ride a wee I bit. find every issue starts the same three or four pages that I have no clue what is going oh, yeah, on 100%. and then you reach a point you're like oh right okay now yeah. I get this yeah so so the, the gist of this is that there appeared to be a, a sort of alien cartel that is creating drugs out of souls would that be the crux of it? It sounds yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Green Lantern obviously has always had a wee bit of an issue with the drug thing since Speedy and the cover 
Uh, nice little reference. A nice little reference. The Green Lantern, Green Lantern, Green Arrow team uh, reunited against the terrifying new menace on our streets, space junkies. So, uh, little throwback to when he discovered Speedy was a, it was like, was see a what are you going to do yeah, about this? Exactly. So, no, my ward is a junkie. That's exactly it. So, Green Lantern and Green Arrow uh, team up, you know, in the, in the streets, and uh, eventually a thing happens, and stuff also <laughs> happens, and there's rhinoceroses. Uh, <laughs> this one, this one panel, um, with the reference Neil Adams. Obviously, within the uh, well, thanks one. This is an original. Uh, yes, right? yeah, 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 yeah. See Neil Adams doing the original. Green so Arrow, I mean, these they're the, the original DC um, body, cops. Body, body cops, aren't they? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, they end up finding themselves. They're, they're tracking down this. Um, they're tracking down this drug cartel, you know, or so they think anyway. And they come to this dark side warehouse. Uh, <laughs> Hal flying and uh, Green Arrow being transported on the back of a, a green Pegasus uh, with a giant this this this, this uh, dogside warehouse has a giant rocket propelled arrow that seems to be about 40 feet long sticking out the side of it and uh, they come upon uh, the Green Lantern's uh, giant space doppelganger called Xenaro uh, who I believe appeared in one issue many, many, many years ago. This is what Morrison does. He's able to pick out obscure details from DC history and just revitalize them or re-energize them. And, I mean, Hal's responses, you know, they see this big giant uh, green arrow. looks an awful lot like like old-school Ollie. Uh, green green, uh, green arrow is, my God, Zine Arrow? And Hal's, Zine Arrow? Zine? Ollie? <laughs> Ollie's like... Give me a break, will you? Speedy and me ran into this cat one time. Weird period in both our lives. <laughs> it's just still like Zine Arrow? Wow. Zine? <laughs> yeah, his lungs are being crushed by gravity because his uh, his gravity belt has been destroyed. Uh, apparently, so there's a creature and soul-sucking demons and that's all great crack. You just get the feeling with this run that you're going to get to the end of it and then go right back to the start of it and read through it again. Mm. And it'll probably make a bit more sense to sing. Like most of Morrison's work, yeah, in fairness. Moon, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sniper on the moon uh, that seems to be uh, trying to kill off some guy. And, and they end up using the... Uh, the, the giant rocket-propelled arrow using... Uh, shooting at the moon. Yeah, shooting at the moon. Uh, an assassin on the Does moon. that take you back to that? It was like the first ever movie ever made, wasn't it? About them shooting something at the moon. Oh, Man on the Moon. Yeah. Uh, H.G. Wells. Um, so they use uh, Green Lantern's ring to create a giant arm and a giant bow to fire the giant arrow, but Ollie uses his skills as an archer. Yeah. And they're going to shoot the arrow through his Showing why they're the perfect team-up. Yeah, absolutely fantastic, and of course they get the guy right through the chest. Yeah, yeah I mean the special mention. I mean the artwork is is just brilliant. Every single issue, um, inventive, visually interesting, tons of different characters, tons of different races, um. and then of course uh, eventually we see uh, what can only who can only be uh, Zine Lantern appear, mm-hmm. uh, the Zine RO version of the Green Lantern. The giant spindle gravity belt back in place gravity belt back you know so we now have it turns out Zine Aro and Zine Lantern are a, a buddy cop pairing of giants wow okay good enough <laughs> yeah good enough. enjoyable enjoyable 
Uh, that's issue 8 of what's going to be a 12 issue. 12, as far as we know, there's rumours of 24. Um, but and, a, and a annual. And there is an annual, you are right. The next one we will defer to at your at there, to your fine self. At, at there's Batman Detective Comics. Number 1006. There's been a 1006 issues of this, Keith. It's 1007 now. Um, well, we should say with Detective Comics, he came back with a yeah. five-issue arc, which was uh, exploring the Arkham Knight, which ended at one thousand and five. So, I wasn't sure what direction it was going. Was it any good one thousand? I thought the Arkham Knight yeah. stuff was great. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed I, the Arkham Knight stuff. I'm not talk about Detective Comics. I don't read it, but um, the the cover caught me on this one. Um, that it's going to be going into the Spectre, which if anybody's listened to these podcasts before, know that I like. I like scary shit. <laughs> I like old school DC characters, you know, yeah. Spectre very much, the Swamp Thing, Constantine, um, the more so mystical I, side of the DC universe. Yeah. Um, so I picked up and give it a read, not give it a read, not knowing what I was going to get into or how long it was going to last or what I was even going to try to do. After the first issue, I was hooked. Um, the art was fantastic. We've very nineties. We've all spoke about this, and yeah. it, it it looks like it looks like an, an issue of Batman from the nineties. Yeah, it was a wee bit, it's a wee bit Neil Adams, a wee bit yeah. something along those it, lines. It just it? looks like something that they forgot to print, and they went, "Oh shit, uh, let's fire that out." But that's really that's typical of of uh, what do you call the character Spectre? Spectre, Spectre, yeah, Jim Corrigan, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it, it basically it picks up from Jim Corrigan being attacked by what looks like. A group of specters. Yeah. Um. And then the specter goes and finds Batman and says, "We need to find out what the fuck's going on." That double page um, spread there. There's some great just panels, single panels and double page spreads through both both issues of this. It's very Kelly Jones with the art, I find. Specter yeah. is like a, he's like a spirit of vengeance, isn't that right? He's, he's he is like a spirit like of vengeance. DC's Ghost Rider, yeah, pretty much. Works. Yeah. Basically the same way. Um. You do you do bad, I'm going to scare you. <laughs> pretty much it um, but it, it it's it just feels like a 90s grounded comic <coughs> that just follows Batman as a detective it's no Gotham's falling apart or the world's going to well I mean I wouldn't or, say I wouldn't say grounded you'd get a 70 well, foot spectre no, no, marching around Gotham looking for Batman <laughs> there's that yes but compared to other DC comics this is kind of grounded okay fair fair like compared to obviously it took an issue to have the spectre in it for it to be grounded pretty much no but compared to Tom King's Batman run it just where everything sort of feels everything's interconnected everything's not not even interconnected everything has to be end of the world I need to keep going whereas this is just Batman's trying to solve a mystery well I mean Batman should be I kind of thought about the other way that Tom King's run is semi-realistic you know whereas that Detective Comics can afford to be a wee bit more supernatural, a wee bit more. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's just that it feels contained. It feels more contained than it usually is, and it doesn't. Feel it like is contained. It's, it's so yeah, urgent. Understood. That it needs to be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, is this is this a two part story? Just two, two part. part. Yeah. Just two part story. Um, but it fe- it feels like it feels like what Detective Comics should be doing. Yeah, it's just Agreed. small. Yeah, a wee bit more experimental stuff. A wee bit of a story. It's sort of Batman related. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I prefer Batman when he's more of a detective than big end of the world stuff. The Dark Knight detective. The Dark Knight detective. Very boy. 
Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, it, as you say, it's just nice sometimes to read comics where it's not. It has to be a twelve-issue super arc, or it has yeah. to be, you know, six issues to fill out a volume, which is going to be a graphic novel. You know, it, it can just maybe be a graphic, can maybe be a collection of shorter stories. Yeah. And I enjoyed that because, again, getting ahead of ourselves with one thousand and seven, but it's just a really fun yeah. nicely wraps up and then at the end of 1007 no spoilers at all for the story that precedes it but at the end it just says next the Joker yeah. you know and that gets you then excited for the next oh, yeah. issue which is not going to be related to this one but it's like next issue it also felt like one of the uh, Saga Swamp Thing issues yeah where Swamp Thing comes to Gotham and leads a Batman uh, two issues <laughs> two issues where they're uh, they're going to throw his girlfriend in jail for essentially um fornicating with a plant <laughs> I kid you not yeah. so uh, speaking of uh, six, issues, plant. six issues that's going to uh, round out into a nice volume uh, we've got uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4 of The Flash year oh. 1 in The Flash number 72 and 73 by uh, by Joshua Williamson um, so have you listened to any interviews with Joshua Williamson no I keep meaning to listen that to man that. talks fast right oh. fast like he is a fountain of knowledge he's perfect for the flash flash (laughs) (laughs) he is he honestly he's such a fountain of knowledge and a bundle of excitement he just talks so so fast Um, so this is great so uh, in the first two issues this is the year one version so we've never seen this version of uh, Flash's origin first issue had uh, Barry Allen being chemicals realising he had powers run fast trying to figure out what the hell going three on. shoes yeah end of the first issue he ends up running so fast that he goes in the future finds a few cool cool oh, okay. ass bearded future version of himself wearing uh, wearing flash t-shirts and stuff and, uh, and that he, he learns a few lessons from uh, in that future the turtle uh, master of the still force um, uh, has become the king turtle you know da-da-da has taken over the big mad empire mm-hmm. Flash comes back uh, and straight into his first fight with the turtle and hoping that what he's learned in the future means that he can stop that dark future from happening. Um, so not what I expected whatsoever. So he uh, he faces the turtle and goes in all guns blazing. Uh, initially gets the crap kicked out of him. Learns a few more lessons. Uh, you know, almost by accident. He's still becoming the Flash that we know. Um but he eventually defeats the, the turtle in doing so he starts to really uh, get into his his, rela- his burgeoning relationship with Iris and that's all set against him uh, solving crimes as the Flash and taking out bad guys and learning and upgrading his costume and you know all of this cool you know slowly slowly becoming you know looking like the Flash that we yeah. that we know uh, or sort of starting to at least look that way it's a really really brilliantly uh, illustrated the artist on this hard porter isn't hard it? porter that's exactly who it is um, well done. so we, we we get on through we learn a little bit about uh, about Iris uh, we have some really lovely scenes where uh, Barry has been working on his flash costume and he's got bits all over the house everywhere and he hear he hears Iris come up the steps she skips steps to save time and he's going Jesus <laughs> so he does a super fast tidy up his house and put on his tie thing you know it's kind of groovy and then that moment where he sees his flash shirt sitting on the you know on the sofa and he has to pick it up so and hide it from her but they, we also are introduced to the rogues in a way okay. uh, Flash's classics rogues gallery We've, they, they're all wearing we, we find out they're all wearing these glasses that uh, help them avoid alarms and uh, and uh, see if there's any police chatting but the glasses are 
Snart's glasses, yeah. the glasses that he will event he will eventually become Captain Cold. Uh, Iris is is, is uh, following these guys because she's tracking them for a story, a newspaper story. She is the the the, the reporter that just won't give up. You know, uh, guns come out, Flash appears. He's you know dodging bullets and knocking bullets out of the way and making sure that this wild shooter doesn't shoot the other rogues. Uh, he saves everybody's life. Uh, and then runs back to his apartment, and we realise in the last panel, shocking last panel, that the only one in he, he the, the void was the one that went straight into his chest. Uh, so Flash is lying just inside his uh, apartment in a pool of his own blood, dying. So issue seventy three. Can't, can't believe he dies. Flash dies <laughs> in his first year. Oh, oh, oh. It's great. <laughs> year one. Uh, so there's this really awesome. So right up until now, he's been having real problems with the vibration thing. You know, mm-hmm. he vibrates his body through things. Yeah. And his older self showed him how to do this, but he can't do it right. Everything he tries to vibrate through explodes, you know, including a wall earlier on that caused a problem. He realizes that he feels the, the bullet moving closer and closer to his heart with every beat. And he knows he's going to have to vibrate his hand into his chest, but everything he vibrates into blows up. Next thing, of course, Iris is knocking at the door, going, Barry, are you in there? All of this violence has told me how much you mean to me, the slash. Flash save me. The only person I want to talk to is you. Meanwhile, Barry's inside the door going, <laughs> trying to stick his own hand inside his chest. He pulls out the bullet, and of course, whenever he pulls but out I the bullet. But I see that as Iris being his calming voice. Like, yeah. she's able yes. to help him relax the part. Yeah, He's like, I'm going to do it. Yeah, 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 that's a really yeah. good That's a really good insight. It's lightning rod, as he said, in Rebirth. Yeah. Rebirth. Rebirth. Um, why didn't he just vibrate out of the bullet? Instead of putting his hand on his chest, because then rather than his his chest blown up, bullet would keep going through. The bullet would have kept going. Through. I don't know if he vibrated quick enough, the bullet would have just dropped. No, maybe, yeah. may, maybe, and maybe you know that because you know that how the flash becomes. Yeah, yeah, though. True. So, uh, but anyway, his his flash healing powers heal up quick. Of course, he's able to get changed quick, and then they have sex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. able to heal up quickly leave that shirt hanging open uh, the rest of the issues a wee bit of a, an origin of the turtle and we find out that uh, you know Barry goes in and interviews the turtle and there's a wee bit of uh, of mind screwery he realises that uh, you know that the turtle doesn't win through speed and through the turtles obviously he can wait forever yeah. for his plan to come together he's put this plan together that will eventually mean that he becomes the king turtle in the future and Barry realises this and realises that the things he's done you know may have put this in motion rather than classic tragedy stuff you know drama stuff you know so he's trying to quickly find out everything he knows about the turtle and everything he can find out about the turtle and it's all very very good and then the uh, turtle from the future comes back on the what do you call that thing cosmic the treadmill cosmic treadmill with the old cool flash Jared, they can't get over that yeah. name, it? Uh, with the old cool flash and chains and tells him he's won the future turtle has won and he's now come back to let Barry know that and he has uh, I say older flesh and chains and it's all very melodramatic and very very good story really really awesome stuff really awesome mm-hmm. stuff so been enjoying that been enjoying flesh since the start so I will go back and listen to that Joshua William podcast yes, on yeah. Fanboy is it Hi, Fanboy six issues uh, the year one story I believe it's going to be six yeah six 70 to 75 75 yeah um Superman, uh, number 12. Ben has been doing great in Superman. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, been really, really enjoying I must uh, trade read Superman because yeah. I've read all of action everywhere. But, um, Brian, Brian Michael Bendis and Ivan Reyes were on part six of the House of Is Ennis. that Rod Reyes, brother? I don't know. I'm just wondering. I'm not sure. Uh, so, 
the House of Elpart Six. It's the the Unity Saga, uh, which is the the story that Brian Bennis has been building from the start. He's got this uh, this villain. What do you call him? He's got a really hard name to pronounce or to remember at least. Uh, Rugal Zar. Oh, Zar. Yep. Uh, has teamed up with General Zod and some of the lads that have uh, escaped from the Phantom Zone. Uh, some of the lads. Some of the lads have escaped from. Lads. But this is great. We have we have Superman and uh, John, the the, the, the newly re-aged John Kent, Superboy, uh, has uh, they've joined. Um, they've gone into space to find the resurrected Jor-El. Uh, Supergirl appears and Crypto the Superdog appears. So we've got the whole Super family, the whole House of L together. Uh, this is, and, and they're 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 battling to to save Jor-El and to figure out what's going on and the mystery of. Who destroyed Krypton and all of this stuff? So, so it's pretty pretty groovy. Uh, Superman's trying to understand why General Zod, despite being a bad guy, is allying himself with the guy who destroyed Krypton yeah. or potentially destroyed Krypton. So, there's a larger thing here. There's some really lovely moments when the Super Family get together. Uh, you know, we've got uh, Superman and uh, Supergirl and Superboy and Krypto and Per Jor-El's on the outside because they don't quite trust him. Don't know what the crazy crazy grandfather's been doing, what he's been up to, um, uh, but it all leads towards. Uh, we, it turns out that it turns out that in fact uh, General Zod and Superman have this conversation in super speed during the battle, and uh, and then they, they they talk about you know why is Zod following this guy? Why is he you know? And he says he's not. You know, he, he says I can't destroy him myself. I need you to help him. So, you know, to help me destroy him, yeah, you know. So, um, so yeah. So this is all leading back to uh, us finding out the real, actual truth about the destruction of Krypton. So uh, uh, the, the 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 other super family is sent off on another part of the mission, and Jor El and uh, the man known as previously as Mister Oz and Superman go and find out or intend to find out the, the actual real truth about the destruction of Krypton according to Brian Michael Bendis cool yeah must must jump on Superman as I say trade reader highly recommend it highly recommend it oh no you you lead the way Alan just doesn't want to say the next name <laughs> Event Leviathan there we go. perfect six perfect. Is, six issue miniseries or in this case a six issue issue mystery thriller Um, great creative team on this Brian Michael Bendis Alex Malev on art Um, they did Daredevil runs together didn't they they did yes Um, this is an interesting one because Event Leviathan is built out of action comics and there was a Superman special as well 80 page special that led into it and yet the first issue is the first issue is all Batman (laughs) and Lois Lane but DC is Batman at this point so he has to be in everything like Tommy Lee Jones in 90s movies true uh, he wasn't in Batman <laughs> he was in Batman forever fuck so he was lovely looks lovely looks absolutely lovely Alex Malieve's art is just fantastic those are going Um very dark very gothic very noir yeah yeah absolutely uh, so I'm trying to figure out where that it gets. Batman for some reason gets to say I'm Batman. That's what he says. He's like, great. It's like you're right. How are you? I'm Batman. Yeah, yeah that's a, there you go. That's the answer to the question of how are you. Um, <laughs> who's that? That's is that? That's not Lois. That's um, is, that, is that why it's a mystery thriller? You're just trying to work out who everybody is. Was it Lois? No, it was. It is Lois. That is Lois. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So they're trying to say the first issue is primarily Lois and yeah. Batman trying to understand what's happening. So Event Leviathan kicks off all the top organizations in Cobra, the world. Task Force X, uh, Spiral have Argus, all, all been brought to their knees essentially by this new uh, threat called Leviathan, which goes into uh, previous Batman stories with uh, Talia. Um, the entire Silencer run, which comes Santa. to the end this month as well. Yeah, yep. issue 18 as well. So they've basically organised this um, synchronised attack on all of these and brought them all to their knees. Um, so they're essentially trying to figure out why. There's some great uh, Brian Michael Bendis talking head stuff here with uh, Lois and Batman and uh, Steve Trevor. Yeah, uh, some really interesting stuff. Um, we find out, uh, you know, exactly what happened to destroyed Argus, and that he was there for that, and what it was, and what sort of technology caused the explosion, and how Trevor survived, and who he talked to in the way. So it it is it does, uh, it, you know, the fact that because Steve Trevor survived, he may or may not he he's he may under or suspicion may be, yeah. now. So it's about it's about Lois and Batman figuring out who's under suspicion for. Yeah. For doing these things really um uh green arrow appears <laughs> taser arrow good stuff uh so yeah effectively they're, they're putting together a team of detectives isn't that right yeah i'd rather just get that one team of detectives that was in detective 1000 that they never used again yeah well i know yeah that seems strange you know because they've just after or the bat the detective ah that's the order of detectives yeah, or right. the black the black book Mystery black something. Aye, <laughs> the, the detective people. It's another detectives club. Maybe there's a fifty-fifty you chance. D- do you think this title would be okay with Detective Chimp in it? I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay with it. Keith would. Maybe <laughs> a bit strange. Maybe a bit strange. <laughs> no, I mean this is very real-world political intrigue. It is, yeah. At, you know, you don't want to say it's grounding the DC universe, but it's definitely making it more into, uh, as it stated, you know, mystery, yeah. sort of real-world thriller. Um, it's a bit strange to see Bendis writing something like that. Is it not? No, because Bendis has always sort of been like big action. No, all the characters sort of sound like the same voice at the same uh, time. Well, maybe that, but no, they're all right. They're all right. Um, I'm interested to see where it's going to go. What this Leviathan thing is. Um, it's a really lovely team on it. The art's fantastic, so I can, I can definitely deal with that for uh, for six issues. I think. Yeah. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Until it gets four or five issues added on, because DC. Yeah. <laughs> You're in a real DC bashing mid tonight. You know? I've always recently been. Sorry, we're about to move on to Marvel. So uh, you can start Marvel bashing in a okay. moment as well. That's, that's all. They just bashing everything. You know, it's all right, but I believe Keith's gonna bash the next uh, couple anyway. You know, it's. Oh. Uh, it's time for the war report, and he found some uh, inconsistencies in uh, <laughs> no, Jason Aaron's no, writing. Just no, let's, let's, not be, let's not let's not overstate <laughs> the matter. Um, so yeah, we're looking at the at our uh, will this be the, our final edition it's of the well, war report? Well, unless you want to do War War of the Realms Omega next well, I don't month. know. I haven't read it yet. So uh, we'll have a look. So aftermath issues there. There was one just War of Realms Omega. Okay. So, uh, uh, the state of the realms going into issue five of uh, War of the Realms. Um, Malekith and his powerful allies, the other nine realms, have, constru- have conquered uh, what had been the last realm standing, Earth. But Midgard's heroes are determined to take it back. In his new role as the God of Fear, Daredevil used the Rainbow Bridge to send Captain America and other heroes to rescue Thor from J- Jotunheim while Lady Freya attempted to destroy Malekith's Black Bifrost in Svartalheim. Captain America's team was successful, but Lady Freya, joined at the last moment by her husband, All-Father Odin, seemingly perished in the explosion that took out the Black Bridge. 
Now Thor is back and eager for revenge. At his side are Earth's heroes and new allies recruited from the various conquered realms. But their enemy is more powerful than ever, thanks to Malekith's newest weapon, Venom. Um, so, this issue five is kind of is kind of the turnaround. Um, you know, we're we're now in the last two issues of War of the Realms. The bad guy, the good guys, have been getting a, a real beating. They've had. Uh, secret missions mounted through the Strike Force issues, the three yeah. Strike Force issues, all of which were were really cool. Uh, we talked about last month, uh, but this is where obviously in every every good story sacrifice must come. Um, so uh, now <laughs> uh, we've discovered that uh, Yidrasil, the World Tree uh, of his guardian myth, the uh, the, the tree in which all of their realms exist uh, previously was the seed of it was cast into the sun and it has taken root in our sun and is now growing a, a new world tree in the sun uh, and uh, in, in, in Norse legend uh, Odin sacrificed himself to the world tree for yeah. knowledge uh, so Thor with Daredevil the all the, the, the all-seeing god uh, with his help uh, impales himself on a branch of the world tree uh, and sacrifices himself, or uh, sacrifices himself. Thor does this. No, Thor does. Yeah. Sacrifices himself for knowledge. Uh, throughout the book, we do see we sort of start to see the, the battle turn a bit. Uh, the soldiers of heaven being uh, pushed back or defended against in uh, Wakanda um, by uh, Sif and Angela and what do you call her? What do you call her? Uh, her? Yes, you're Mister Marvel now. Valkyrie <laughs> 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 and, uh, and the Dora Milaje and Shuri and all of those the Black Panther and all of that so big old battle going on there uh, Punisher leading uh, leading the light elves with uh, lots of machine guns and all sorts of good stuff yeah, there's light elves the, yeah the opposite of dark elves uh, well I know yeah. there's dark elves but I didn't know there's light elves just as a little uh, segue there the Punisher 3 issue tie-in series War of the Realms was excellent yeah yeah uh, Princess Shuri has got the communications back up again. There's a helicarrier about the place. Um, <laughs> Ghost Rider is uh, he's he's taking it back from he's riding the, about the place from the Enchantress. Um, what else have we got going on there? Spider Man's doing things. Doctor Strange. Strange and his axe hanging off the back of hanging off the side of Ghost Rider's uh, Hell Rider car being driven by Balder. Uh, absolutely fantastic, Spider Man. Um, Seems to be, yeah, he's spiders of hell smell it too, but Baldur is not their king any longer. They have found a new lord among the living. <laughs> Spider Man says, So you guys only eat dead people, right? Whoa, all the weird Thor stuff sure is super cool. <laughs> hey, I've got a fun idea. Let's split up. <laughs> um, she Hulk felling uh, the Ulic. Um, we've got the agents of. The agents of uh, Wakanda making a making a raid on the Roxxon Corporation, which is um, led by uh, a Minotaur, uh, Darius. What do you call him? Adger, uh, who is also a Minotaur. Um, significantly, uh, we have uh, Jane Foster in uh, New Asgard um, with Heimdall, and Jane Foster sees the uh, the remains of. Um, the Warhammer, the war hammer that uh, exploded, broke. What do you call the big guy? Thor. No, the big massive guy. Hulk. Hulk. No. <laughs> Warriors three. Oh, uh, I can't remember. 
You know the boy. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I know, I know. I know his face. Yeah. Okay. The Valkyries have fallen, and she sees the she sees the remains of the hammer that made him into the Warthor. Warthor, um, lying on the floor here. Um, so eventually, uh, we see a wee bit of t- to and fro and back and forth, in, and uh, eventually, uh, we see Thor hanging on upside down on the impaled on the word tree. Uh, in fact, he's been stuck to the word tree by his Volstag. own axe. Volstag, the very <laughs> fella. Thank you very much. Uh, Legends say that once upon a time, old Father Odin hung himself from the world tree Yggdrasil for long, nine long nights without food or water until he died and became wise. Uh, such was the price paid to gain the secret knowledge of the of, of the, the runes. Uh, Thor does not, not have nine nights, not if he wants to save everything he has ever loved. Uh, we see his armour burning off him, his helmet burning off him, liquefying in the sun's heat. Uh, and he, there he is, there he, there he remains. Uh, Malekith has... Thor's parents uh, captured at Stonehenge. Uh, they weren't destroyed. Malekith has them. He has captured Venom. And through Donny Cates' wrong, we know that the symbiotes are uh, much more than they're expected to be. He has uh, made Venom into uh, a null sword. K N K N U L L. Null is the name of the, the the symbiote's god, and has has made himself all powerful. This null sword made from the symbiote can kill gods. Yeah. So. Uh, effectively, Malekith, uh, Malekith says, uh, "Unless Thor and Thor alone comes to rescue you, I will, I will kill you." Will. So Malekith broadcasts this to Thor that unless he comes alone, Thor and Thor, just Thor, uh, and only Thor comes to rescue his parents. You know, Malekith will, Malekith will, will end them. Uh, and then on the last page, bring a smile to all those people who. Uh, who uh, are really looking forward to uh, Natalie Portman's role in uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, as uh, she picks up the remains of the Warhammer and is transfer well goes through a, a transformation. Um, so we pick up in uh, War of the Realms number six, and called a Storm of Thors, or the Storm of Thors. Uh, Thor has uh, sacrificed his eye on the World Tree. Uh, and we hadn't really you know, we know Odin is one-eyed that's one of the sacrifices that would be made in the tree so now Thor so is one-eyed um, Fenric ripped it out Thor, uh, Odin's eye I think that was in Norse legend not in the comics, <laughs> 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 comics. Uh, and the other thing that Thor sacrifices is the last remaining shard of Mjolnir which he wears around his neck uh, he doesn't want to let it go don't take the last piece of my Mjolnir it's all that makes me Thor it's Damn it all, take it, it'll end this war. So he sacrifices his eye, he sacrifices the last chunk of his lost hammer. Uh, Thor's tears turn into smoke and the great wind begins to tear the tear the sun asunder. Um, See, that page of that great sacrifice, that just makes me think of me selling my walking dead, number one. You know, To open the store. To open the store. Yeah. <laughs> the next page is glorious. Untold aeons from now, the Asgard at the end of time now. If you've read Jason Orange Run, you know that this is where King Thor exists. This is where the Thor of the future, who's a billion years old, exists with his three granddaughters. Um, so there were three Thors in Jason Orange Run. Thor, young Thor, the god of the Vikings. Uh, our Thor, and then uh, King Thor. Thor. So uh, the three granddaughters are, are reading a book. And it just picks up where the last page picked up. And so, after his ordeal upon the sun tree, Thor set about making preparations for the final battle. So there, the story in this book just fills in the gap. Uh, with the aid of some of his allies who were used to dealing in the fantastic, 
uh, and one of the other granddaughters. So that's how he lost the eye. I can't believe grandfather's never told us this tale. What happened next, sister? Wait, this this can't be right. It says Thor's allies travelled through time to the far future, to the Asgard of an old friend. You don't think this means? And then in front of them, the Fantastic Four appear. <laughs> <laughs> thing goes, uh, hey there, young ladies. Uh, we're from uh, not from around here. Don't suppose you could point us in the direction of King Thor marches in and goes, I am here. I've been waiting for this day for millennia. And all Father Thor is ready, ready for war. So they're now tying up you know Jason Aaron's King Thor storyline you know this is where this is going you know so uh, all three Thors are brought together our Thor uh, one armed now one eyed uh, and wielding the last hammer he can no longer wield me on there he's he's burned badly uh, he's scarred he's got his cape wrapped around his midsection because his clothes have been burned off him we've got uh, young cocky Thor the god of the Vikings and we've got uh, and we've got our older Thor, Thor. There's some great dialogue here. Um, uh, young Thor comes in and goes, Are you you one-eyed geezers going to compare maladies all morning or is there an actual war to be fought around here? Thor, god of the Vikings, didn't come all this way just to yammer, King Thor says. Ah, splendid. You brought the arrogant, unworthy one. What was... Uh, was the frog not available? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, Thor, our Thor, refers to them as a trinity, interestingly. Um, and then uh, Jane appears with the uh, the barely holding together uh, sort of hammer, broken hammer of the War Thor. Which this is a re- it's a relic of a lost dead universe. It's actually a relic of the Ultimate Universe. Oh, kind of cool. It came through in the Ultimate Universe. So anyway, uh, this allows them the fact that there's now four Thors, uh, R three, and then uh, Thor, Goddess of Thunder, means that they now fulfil Malekith's. Um, prophecy yeah. that only Thor, Thor could come. Show, yeah. You know, so there's now just four of them. Thor, <laughs> Thor, Thor a storm of Thors, as they say. Uh, there's some great Jason Aaron dialogue in this double page spread um, across, uh, you know, across the picture. The the, the four Thors. Um, so yeah, we we just check back in with New York City. Uh, all going well, uh, well as well as a war can can go. Um, Loki's father, uh, Lofi, the King of the Frost Giants, he consumes the Casket of Ancient Winters. Um, he's already consumed his son Loki. Uh, Loki stole this from Odin's uh, treasure cave anyway. Uh, so, our Thors arrive. Uh, they, they give Malekith and his dark elves and his creatures and his hellhounds the gift of battle. Um, uh, Daredevil, the god without fear, uh, he launches a sword into Lofi's mouth. That'll that'll come good later on, uh, and it all sort of just comes to a fantastic, uh, a fantastic head. Uh, great, some great action. So it's fantastic action. Uh, there, there's a there's a Thor wielding the Mother Storm created by the fire of the burning Earth Tree and the smashing of Lofi's casket of ancient winters. Um, it's all it's all great stuff, um, and eventually uh, the good guys win. As they do. As they do, but not just that. Uh, Thor wasn't just using the mother storm that he created uh, from the world tree to to defeat uh, or to try and push back Malekith. He was using it to finally use the the power of the sun and the cold of the uh, cask of ancient winters 
to reforge his old friend Mjolnir and if sacrifice on the on Yidrasil the earth tree doesn't make you worthy what does uh, so finally for the first time <laughs> in the ages for the first time since uh, what was the uh, what was the story the uh, the story where uh, where Nick Fury stole the Watcher's eyes oh, um, original sin original sin yeah. the first time since Jason Aaron's original sin uh, whenever Nick Fury whispered in Thor's ear something that we didn't know uh, that's the last time that Thor was able to wield Mjolnir uh, all through the lady th the you know the, the Jane Foster mm -hmm. goddess of thunder uh, what 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 Nick Fury whispered in Thor's ear was Gore was right Gore was the god butcher at the start of Jason Aaron's run yeah. who told him that all gods were unworthy you know da -da -da. so whenever Nick Fury told told Thor that Gore was right that's what made Thor unworthy um, so Thor's finally got uh, you know fi he's finally got uh, Mjolnir back and uses it to <laughs> break Malika's face <laughs> yeah no so it's all it's all pretty it's all pretty groovy um, everybody gets together. Uh, Loki, it turns out, isn't dead. Uh, the sword that uh, Daredevil threw into uh, Loki's mouth that he swallowed as a titbit, uh, Loki has used to cut his way out of his father's stomach. Uh, so Loki's back. Um, Malik is now feeling fear. He calls the last hunt. The last hunt, you know, are prey to fear, and uh, they tear Malik apart. Uh, something appears to be happening with Jane Foster. Uh, she's no longer she's no longer Thor now that uh, her hammer has shattered, but something appears to be happening with Jane Foster. Um, King Thor and uh, young Thor. Uh, King Thor introduces uh, young Thor to uh, an age that historians call the golden age of craft beer. Uh, you know, so and and we see we just see the things that are that are coming off the back of uh, of of the finished uh, war. Odin proclaims. Uh, Thor, the all heal the rightful Lord of Asgard, Saviour of the Realms, all heal Father Thor. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll, you know, we'll pick it up afterwards. Jane Foster, Valkyrie, uh, Loki on the prowl, um, Punisher, Thor. So yeah, and King Thor, coming out of uh, coming out of War of the Realms. So six issues. I thought it was a really solid action story. Uh, a really nice round up to everything that uh, Jason Aaron has has written. Uh, bring, Thoroughly wonderful art. Together. Yeah, lovely, lovely art too. Very psychedelic in places as well. Russell Dodderman. Yeah, it's one of uh, Marvel's young guns this year, I believe. Yeah. Which is quite a surprise to see, given, you know, a uh, sort of top line event, mm -hmm. so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, there was a few other uh, tie-ins around. Thor was really good at, at um, focused on, uh, it focused on, um, on exactly what how Thor got together the other Thors, uh, there was that. Uh, there was a uh, Tony Stark out, and there was a few other few other wee bits and pieces. Um, let me see. The Superior Spider-Man uh, issue seven and eight was a War of the Realms story by uh, Christos Gage, uh, and it was kind of a it was kind of a masterclass in uh, in how to do uh, you know, how to do a tie-in, mm -hmm. you know. It was interesting. Spider Spider Gwen was in it. Or Gwen Spider, Spider Gwen? Gwen. No, Gwenpool. Gwenpool, yes. Gwen Gwenpool. <laughs> yes. So Gwenpool was in it. Of course, she's doing the the fourth wall break and stuff. Where she's explaining to Superior Spider Man, 
Doctor Octopus, the most arrogant hero, yeah. you know, that he's actually just uh, a C-list character in the story, and it's not actually about him, <laughs> and it's just a he's just a a, a third tier tie-in. <laughs> you know, so that was all kind of kind of interesting. Um, so the Thor tie-in was great, but yeah, I'm pretty happy with War of the Realms. Yeah, um, looking forward to reading it. Yeah, <laughs> you just you know I don't know what happens. <laughs> You know everything that happens in it. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well I mean, the, the only the issue you read was the strike force. Strike force, yeah, yeah, which was good. Which was, uh, which was a, yeah. a, a great issue. Uh, Punisher was another one, as I say. I read. I thought it was very, very good. It's actually going to spin out from more of the realms to a series called Punisher Kill Crew, which is going to um, show more of that because the main crux of it was that Punisher let out loads of bad guys out of prison to help them fight during yeah. uh, the War of the Realms. Um, almost in a way to sort of redeem themselves so I'm assuming that's what the kill crew are going to be that would be coming off the bag there was an old story called Skull Kill Crew mm-hmm. Skr- Skr- Skrull Kill Crew mm-hmm. and that was a group of individuals who went right after the secret invasion and mopped up all the scrolls. Yeah, uh, was that Punisher as well? could have been, been. Not, not sure not sure I know he was, he was pretty hard about the whole thing if you're not sure we're probably not sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way we would look at that one anyway anyway um, yeah, so that was uh, War of the Realms, issues 5 and 6. Um, the next one just wanted to jump on to was the Guardians of the Galaxy Annual, uh, which is a trio of stories from what I remember. Uh, Donnie Cates, Al Ewing and Tini Howard uh, working on this. Guardians to me, since Donnie Cates uh, relaunched, it's been very solid. Um, it's been a little... It, well, I suppose it's almost been to me the equivalent of Justice League. It's been a little bit up and down, um, but I thought this annual was excellent. Um, there are tons of characters in here that I have no idea who they are. Oh yeah, who is Quasar? Uh, Quasar has a couple of. He's been around a long time. He's a cosmically powered hero. He has a couple of. Um, he wears like a couple of bands. Yeah, negatives and nega bands uh, that Captain Marvel used to wear. Uh, one of the previous Captain Marvels. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, I like that you say he's been around a long time, and this story is called a long time in yeah. politics, yeah. Um, which kicks off with the Nova. Quantum bands, sorry, not nega bands. Quantum bands. Six and one half of us, the other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this one that kicks off a story with Nova, uh, Richard Ryder. Um, he's just in a bar on sort of the outskirts of the cosmos. There's some really good little banter here, where he's buying a little bit of beer. And someone's like, 30 creds, you got physical, the scanner's busted. Uh, really, all I've got, you don't take Earth dollars, do you? Are they Canadian dollars? Um, and then this is where this character, Quasar, comes in um, to essentially... Quasar, he's, like he's another space cop. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like, it's like cool, a rip-off cool. Green Honor. And not Nova? Kinda... They're both. <laughs> both pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Something tells me a lot of these characters are similar to a lot of other characters. Um, But yeah, it's uh, basically Nova telling a story. He's on therapeutic leave at this point, and then he sort of starts telling Quasar the story of why why he's on that leave. Pretty horrendous. Yeah, I mean, this is it. It it has the little subtitle there, It's Standard Days Ago. Um, It it did sound a little bit James Bondish at this point, I have to say. You know the number, you know my name. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they seem to be up against uh, some scrolls uh, at this point, and he has no hesitation in taking a whole pile of them down. Yeah, the scrolls. Does that matter? 
<laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with that. Um, but yeah, so he takes out a whole part of these scrolls, and uh, he was saying like, "Oh, I was trying to save you," but you know that's protocol. Um, and then there, who's this that comes into it here? This uh, message from Scroll High Command that basically says they are going to they're going to attack back on these boys. Yeah, there's a there was there was a treaty that stopped them. The the Scroll High Command has pulled that treaty, so they're going to effectively bomb civilians. Yeah, and uh, they basically tell Richard Ryder that he has to get off their world right now or face immediate penalty. Um, lots of exploding planets, lots of exploding bits and bobs. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many characters here that I just struggle with. <laughs> There's nothing that's, like, uh, nothing. That's, that's the character that Kurt Russell played. Oh yeah, that's Ego. Yeah. Uh, so you've got Ego there. Is that the Watcher in the background? That no, that's mm. Eternity. Okay. Uh, you know Galactus there. Galactus, obviously. They're the Sentinels. They're Celestials. Celestials, sorry. Mm-hmm. Close. I was close. And that's mm. uh, the Elder of the Universe. One of the Elders of the Universe. The Gardener, I think. No, the Collector. That's the Collector. That's the Collector. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. You collect stuff. He does collect stuff, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, the the, the whole crux of the first story basically boils down to just massive arguments about different sort of viewpoints of how the universe should work between um, Quasar and between Nova Prime. I mean, what I like about these annuals is, obviously, um, I'm reading it in a way where a lot of these characters I'm not overly familiar with, but I don't need to know a million backstories just to sort of enjoy the crux of the story. Yeah, yeah. Um, Next story is an Adam Warlock story. Nineteen Howard. Um, and it's sort of uh, the the the, the story. The, these these guys have all been pulled through the black hole, yeah. Uh, and then in Guardians number one, and then pulled out by the Silver Surfer. Was that right? Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that'll yeah. be in the next title, which is Silver Surfer Black. Um, so I guess this is Adam Warlock. Maybe was he in the was this him in the black hole? Yeah. Uh, and there's a, a lesser developed uh, civilization that are worshiping this uh, entity as a god, and they're you know the god they again it's about perceptions from their perception the god gives them food from a a larger look at you know he's given them gifts in order that they'll become his army you know so adam warlock decides he's that's morally selfish and exploitive and so he's going to destroy this god so he destroys their god and they they don't even know that the god's been destroyed you know what i mean so it's just it's about the it's about the the silliness of worshipping things I guess <laughs> even ends with a line and I will protect you from the truth of your god mm. um, and then is this Darkhawk that's Darkhawk from- yeah uh-huh. um, so this is an interesting story uh, again through the black hole the dark harp the dark hawk armour uh, was a, a, in itself as a like a, a robot an android and whenever the user who's called Chris Chris Basically, Marvel's Blue Beetle. I don't know the Blue Beetle. <laughs> uh, whenever he, he transfers bodies with the android, so rather than him being in a suit, mm-hmm. he transfers body as, and then he controls the, the android from this pocket dimension. Um, so this story seems to suggest that there's there's something inside the android. He's never known what the, what is inside the android. 
so. uh, sort of freaks him out a bit. You know, it turns out there's a, a kid in there, a, a kid version of himself uh, or something. So don't know about that, but it's all continued in Guardians of the Galaxy 7. Yes, yeah. which is out this week. Yeah. It seems to be a storyline called The Death of Rocket, uh, which is going to kick off. But yeah, I mean, the Guardian stuff, I've enjoyed most of it so far. Um, again, obviously, I'm just trying to expand my knowledge at this point with the. I mean, the cosmic end of the Marvel universe is the, the part that I know least about. I would say. Yeah, because it's all yeah. out there. Like it's. Yeah. It's complicated. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess it is. Yeah. It's cosmic, man. Well, speaking of, that is indeed cosmic. Speaking of cosmic, uh, and speaking once again of Donny Cates, uh, launched Silver Surfer Black. Now, this was one I was personally looking forward to because for my lack of knowledge of the cosmic stuff of Marvel, um, Silver Surfer is something that I can actually claim to know a little bit about. True. Um, but yeah, Silver Surfer Black, this is basically a five-issue miniseries, uh, as I say, from Donny Cates and Trad Murr. Um, issue opens just with your normal stuff, you know, giving you the, uh, the background on the Surfer. You know, he's a Herald of Galactus. Um, he essentially seeks out um, planets for Galactus to devour and destroy to keep him going. Um, straight away, you can see that the uh, the art is very trippy and very out yeah. there. But yeah, you get is that uh, Tradmer. Okay. But again, you get that as I say, quick backstory, and he talks about you know all the guilt that he felt when Galactus was destroying those worlds. And this picks up where, as Keith alluded to earlier, where a lot of the Guardians in issue one or prospective guardians I suppose we should call them uh, were pulled into this black hole and Surfer says I'll not be devoured by the black so you see him being pulled into this black hole in outer space and you see all these different characters around him you know you see Better Ray Bill there you, um, obviously the character you were speaking about earlier mm -hmm. and the Surfer is going to do everything he can to essentially save them all from the black hole um, he essentially gets them all out he's no idea where he sends them which I find quite quite groovy but um he just says, but where their journey will take them, I know not. My mission complete, I surrender. So he's almost giving in to the, uh, the black at this point because he thinks he has um, saved everybody else. Saved everybody matters. else. But, uh, yeah, he ends up in the stars. It all just gets really, really trippy, yeah. really, really interesting. But then he just sees this one bright light and sort of aims towards it. And he ends up on this random planet. Now, what I find interesting here is Straight away, you can tell Donny Cates is just creating his own little corner of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Uh, Guardians is linked to Venom, which is linked to um, Silver Surfer here. And you had mentioned earlier Null. So at this point... Um, the god of the symbiotes. Yeah. So um, this planet that the Surfer lands on, there's these three sort of large gods before him, essentially. And he just says, you know, have you got a master? They speak a language he doesn't understand. Um, but he... Surfer can essentially speak any language, so... He says, our master is God, is that right? And then a huge fight ensues, which takes everything out of the surfer. Um, really beautiful couple of pages of art, as I say, of the, um, the fights between them. But just as he's about to lose the fight, he ends up burning the three of them. But what this does is it turns his hand black, so a part of him is disappearing. This makes me wonder if this is going to be something similar to Silver Surfer Requiem, where uh -huh, the yep. surfer is coming to the end of his life mm -hmm. and bit by bit he's sacrificing bit by bit. But because uh, he basically says from the darkness light, but with light a price and his hands all black. So I'm assuming that's what the black element of this is going to be. 
But the reason you know this is all um, linked to those other titles is because on the very last page, who's he face to face with? Well, that would be Null, the God of the Symbiotes. That would be Null, the God of the Symbiotes. Yeah. Um, and that's where uh, the first issue ends. Cool. Um, as I say, when it comes to the art alone, I don't think there's another. You know, it's very, it is very trippy. Another Marvel title out there that looks like it. I mean, there were certain elements to War of the Realms there, just flicking through it that got very colourful, very yeah. groovy, very interesting. But uh, yeah, I was a big, big fan of this first issue. I thought it was great. Um, again, it's just going to be five issues, so issue two sitting there ready and waiting um, to jump onto. So yeah, that's Silver Surfer Black. What are you having to flick through there? I'm having a wee flick through Amazing Spider-Man issues 23 and issues 24. Fallout from Hunted. Fallout from Hunted. Uh, this is uh, issue 23 is the Hunted epilogue. There's a, a great cover on here with the, the Fist of Craven stabbing a combat knife down through the, uh, the mask of uh, Spider-Man and shattering his, his lenses. Um, but we start off with uh, uh, following the end of, uh, of Hunted, the funeral of the original Craven the Hunter, uh, being buried in the black costume that he, the, the black Spider-Man costume in which he died, uh, and uh, the young Craven clone, um, uh, Craven's son, uh, who accompanied him through the the trials of Hunted, uh, going mental, ripping off his shirt to reveal his his, his, his tattoo, stylish tattoo, like like on Craven's chest, uh, beating the crap out of all the stuffed animals that uh, Craven has and. Obviously, uh, Craven suffered clearly suffered badly from depression and different things, and I think young Craven is as a clone has demonstrated definitely inherited that. Well, yeah. Um, so we as uh, Spider Man, also in the black costume that Craven had put him in, uh, web swings quickly back towards uh, Mary Jane, who he believes to be in danger, um, and a lot of danger from a mysterious figure we've been seeing. Uh, in, in the shadows and in Spider-Man's uh, drug-addled dreams. Um, so we see the Avengers uh, pre-War of the Realms and the Fantastic Four cleaning up uh, all the animal-themed villains that have escaped now from Central Park now that that trial is over. Um, we see uh, Captain America and Cap Captain Marvel rounding up Arcade, Captain America rounding up the last of the, the rogue hunters who were piloting the robot suits. It's past time we had a conversation about the state's gaming laws. <laughs> um, and we see the Vulture gathering up some of those uh, animal-themed villains. Uh, the Red Tarantula, Scorpion, Rhino, King Cobra and Stegron. Uh, as the Savage Six, um, the Vulture had taken the lead in the, of the villains in the, in the, in the park. Um, what else? We see Taskmaster and Black Ant back together again, despite Taskmaster's betrayal of the Black Ant. Uh, we see Black Cat, Black Cat returning Billy Connors to his mother, while uh, Kurt Connors uh, lies in Central Park, worried that the evil of the lizard now is free from the chip that he put in himself to control himself. Uh, now he's free of that, that the evil lizard is, is, is still lurking there. We see uh, a young man waiting... Uh, waiting in the uh, in the subway uh, and uh, from uh, from the shadows of the the tunnel we hear yum 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 as the many uh, the many clones of vermin uh, who have escaped from Central Park and now clearly gone to the subway tunnels uh, now inhabit so we're seeing a wee bit of a change a wee bit of an addition we're seeing some things changing here after in the epilogue of Hunted uh, vermin's back the savage six are together the lizard is is back and scared to go close to his family um, 
uh, all of those all of those sorts of things uh, but um, as I say Peter's moving his way he, he swings in through MJ's window smashing the window as he goes lands in his combat pose on the floor he sees blood on the carpet uh, not again please not again but but I can sense this she's gone uh, Mary Jane screams and comes out of the bathroom holding uh, a cloth to her bleeding arm uh, she screams because Peter's wearing that black costume again she, she hates it she's always hated it uh, scares the crap out of her. She's absolutely fine. Um, she uh, she leaned through the window. She you know, she cut herself in some glass. So it's not at all what Peter had expected. They're there. They're back together. But in the background, we see a centipede crawling through the broken glass. And this 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 horrible individual who we've seen over the last few issues is in Peter's dark dreams, and uh, he's always been covered in centipedes. And you know, so something's going on there. Uh, and finally, uh, we get, we're back to young Craven walking naked through his daddy's house, uh, drinking all of his daddy's uh, best brandy. Takes down a shotgun, maybe to repeat Craven's uh, final act uh, of uh, shooting himself in the face, committing suicide. And Craven has left a note hanging behind the shotgun, clearly knowing that that's what his son was going to do, or his clone was going to do. And the uh, we finish with this lovely. Uh, Lovely couple of pages, as he reads the reads the son reads the the note, you know my son and his family finished. Uh, these words you read mean my hunt is finished, and so is yours. As I write this, I do not know how it came to be, but it does not matter. All that does matter is you, is that uh, it is time to claim what is rightfully yours. Behold, this is your birthright, and uh, he uh, he goes to the goes to a coffin uh, in which uh, Cravens old costume is sitting he goes know that in this moment I feel no regret nor should you only pride and triumph you see we are immortal I have called you son and for a time that was true but now is the time to become something else you were forged in fire born in blood young Craven is uh, wiping off the body paint uh, young Craven is cutting his hair uh, and uh, pulling on pulling on the, the, the vehemence uh, my spirit made flesh more than my child you are me and I am you one and the same now this guy's a clone of Craven it is time for you to claim it time for you to take the name you are Sergei the beast you are Craven off the superior from this moment on you are Craven the hunter and we've got that one page spread of the, the son the clone looking exactly as the father does the hunt begins a nice thank you to Jim to Madison Mike Zeg for the creation of uh, Craven's Last Hunt which this is a spiritual sequel to and then we have one of Marvel's uh, post-credit scenes, <laughs> uh, and that is the reintroduction of the chameleon, who is Craven's stepbrother, and has just been at the funeral, uh, watching, uh, watching, watching his stepbrother be buried and swearing vengeance on the spider. So, chameleon, who is one of Spider-Man's original foes, back and playing him. Mm -hmm. So, pretty cool stuff. Um, we've got one of these absolute carnage covers on uh, on Spider-Man twenty-four, and. Uh, you know we're we're going we're retreading the the, the whole um, the whole hunted thing, uh, but they're glad it's over. Spider Man and Mary Jane are, are relaxing. They're clearly working on their relationship back together, being also romantic. Uh, we've got Mysterio uh, in therapy, talking about uh, all his various failures and so forth and so on. And it appears that Mysterio has some connection to this uh, this individual we were talking about. This uh, mummy like wrapped in bandages feeding all these centipedes and just a horrible horrible thing uh, seems to have some connection to this critter Mysterio 
Mysterio uh, committed suicide many years ago and was resurrected and this appears to be a throwback to that this is where this creature's come from seems to be responsible for Mysterio's resurrection um, pulls Mysterio apart you know uh, by the looks of it uh, and uh, and uh, Peter Parker wakes up in a cold sweat knowing that this individual you know uses the name he wouldn't tell him his name he says I don't know uh, he wakes up Peter's trying to explain this, this, this nightmare he says I don't know but he just he spoke to me he told me to call him Kindred so whoever this guy is going forward we're about to learn yeah yeah <clears throat> in a triple sized Amazing Spider-Man 25 which followed this one yeah absolutely great great issue anyway from one Amazing Spider-Man to another I just wanted to throw out that I'd finally read the Amazing Spider-Man number one uh, came out in True Believers format um, which always had this famous cover of uh, Spider-Man seemingly trapped the Fantastic Four sort of surrounding him um, I love these uh, True Believers ones. I mean, it's it's an interesting look into the past. You know, yeah. as as Keith flicked through Amazing Spider-Man, there you see this beautiful dynamic art and you know great detail and all the rest. And then you open the you first see the page pose of Spider-Man's on the first page of Spider-Man. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a bit interesting, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I mean the the these old comics have charm, you know, yeah. just dripping from them. But the 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 story essentially, what I gathered from all of this, was literally just Aunt May kept pawning things just to keep supporting Peter, but wouldn't tell him. So Peter Parker's trying to, or sorry, I should say Peter Palmer, Peter Palmer. as he's called in this a couple of times. A couple of times or just the once? Twice. Really? Yeah, it happens twice. Um, apparently, it's happened in Hulk as well, where he was oh, called really? Bob Banner. Yes, it did. Uh, I think uh, Stanley has talked about that, and he his, just kept forgetting names. He just kept forgetting names. Yeah, <laughs> but he but he knew there was alliteration, so he yeah, knew yeah, that's why right. so many are alliteration because he just kept forgetting them. So he's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll work it out. But uh, I remember when I yeah, there's a great part here where like Spider Man gets a lot of money, or sorry, does a lot of uh, fantastic feats for like the circus, and he gets a check made out to Spider Man, and it's just like, how am I gonna cash this check? I'll have to see some identification. What about my costume? Don't be silly. Anyone can wear a costume. Do you have a social security card or a driver's license in the name of Spider-Man? Uh, no, I don't. Um, and you can see J. Jonah Jameson here, obviously establishing the threads of you know Spider-Man as a menace. Um, but yeah, basically what this um, this True Believers edition shows is that Peter's just trying to find a way to monetize being Spider-Man. Um, so he has this great idea to... Um, Go and impress the Fantastic Four because they live. Oh, well, there you go, Spider-Man versus the Chameleon. Yeah, that was the first appearance of the Chameleon. Oh, that yes. issue. Amazing Spider-Man issue two. But yeah, he decides he's going to go and show off the skills of the Fantastic Four, and you know Peter takes them all down pretty easily. Um, and it's great because it's like, I came up here to join you. I want to be a member of the Fantastic Four, which of course later he would be. So I thought I'd give you a demonstration of what I can do. So. Let's get down to business. How much does my job pay? I figure I'm worth your top salary. The thing says, I knew it. That cook has rocks in his head. Sue Storm, afraid you made a mistake, Spider-Man. We're a non-profit organization. Reed Richards, we pay no salaries or bonuses. Any profit we make is in the scientific research. And then 
Spider-Man just <laughs> jumps back out the window. Right. He's just like, I might have known you're just like all the rest. I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> he's a real in these stories. He's a real wee teenage prick. Like yes, yeah. he really is. Um, but yeah, that's as I say, they're just they're charming little stories to revisit and all the rest. And the Fantastic Four at this rate are still trying to figure out whether he's a good guy or a bad guy or that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, just good fun just reading through them again but yeah I'm nearly sure Peter Palmer was twice in it because um, I remember I think I sent you a message straight away I think I put it in the, the wee group chat but uh, he's called Parker at the start but it's definitely Palmer further on uh-huh. oh, well. so it happens it does yeah. it does not anymore but it happens <laughs> that's what happens whenever you're the writer and the editor <laughs> which is what Stanley was True. do you want to throw out some very quick love for oh, very quick yeah uh, Spider Man Life Story number thing. four. It's just been it's just been the best book around for the, yeah, for the past week. Been great. Um, this is uh, Spider Man number four. Then this is Life Story number four. The nineties, um, the return of Otto Octavius and uh, and some of that stuff. Uh, but it, what what this one effectively is is the the life story retelling of the Clone Saga. Yeah. Uh, they touched upon the seventies Clone Story. In issue one, issue two, 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 yeah. Uh, Secret Wars was the last issue, yeah. Uh, and this is the Clone Saga. It's Doctor Octopus who uh, who discovers that uh, he's he's recaptured Ben Riley and he's captured Spider Man and he discovers that Ben Riley is the original and Peter Parker's the clone, um, which is kind of kind of the way it went at the time, pretty much. Um, we have uh, Harry accidentally being killed by Doctor Octopus, and uh, eventually we bring Norman Osborn into it. Uh, always a joy to see Norman. Uh, so, I guess what happens is, um, I guess what happens is, uh, they do the deal as they did in the original Clone Saga, where Peter goes, "We'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. I've been Spider-Man for so long, and I can't do it anymore." And Ben goes, "Well, I couldn't help it. I've actually been." Doing a wee bit of hero in myself, and he pulls out the classic <laughs> Scarlet Spider, you know, uh, mask. He's, uh, he's wearing a hoodie, as and well. he is wearing the hoodie, so that's just fantastic. So, effectively, he says, "Well, this is this is you. This you can do this." Now I'm I'm leaving, and uh, you know, so who he, he's with? He's actually Peter's with with Jessica Jones. An older Jessica yeah. Jones in this, mm-hmm. yeah, isn't yeah. right? But he can't uh, commit to her. Yeah, he absolutely yeah. can't. Uh, so Peter goes and uh, tracks down, having left a Spider Man behind, he goes and tracks down uh, not a very, very old Norman Osborne and uh, and reveals that he knows that Peter knows that he, he is the original, but he's ready to leave this life behind. Um, so uh, the original Norman Osborne and Peter Parker, old foes, have their. Their last final battle. Whenever uh, Peter reveals that uh, that Harry, his son, is dead, and uh, and uh, Norman dies of a heart attack brought on by his own hate uh, of Peter Parker, and uh, Peter, meanwhile, uh, heads off, goes to the plane, heads to wherever it is, Vermont, uh, wherever he's going. It looks like it looks a wee bit Vermonty. I think that's where they went in the original story. And uh, goes to meet uh, his ex-wife Mary Jane and his two kids, who he has been estranged <coughs> from for the past, I guess, ten years or so. Yep. So yeah, great, great. It's just it's better and better. Oh, and what's interesting is that uh, 
I actually said to you that this issue it almost could end there where like he's happy he's living in the yeah. suburbs he's got MJ he's got his kids and Kieran's actually ahead of both Keith and Anne has read <laughs> issue 5 and it's like yep just gets better and better does. yeah looking does. forward to that now yeah yeah, I might just have a wee read of that once we uh, finish up yep um, yeah so that I think brings us pretty much through Marvel um, just a very quick shout out I mean it wouldn't be a podcast without a few indie reviews outside of Walking Dead of course um, just going to throw a couple of quick ones in um, again not going to too many spoilers simply because the first title here um, is one we've talked about before we've highly recommended it something we've all enjoyed and the trade has just come out of it so if it does sound good too we don't ruin the ending of it but this is uh, Jeff Rogvie's uh, Gunning for Hits uh, art by Moritat um, it, I love that cover that's great the cover's immense looks, just brilliant. looks like an old pulpy novel yeah. from like the 40s or something enter the horrifying neon wasteland of the 80s music business <sighs> where you only get one shot at a hit <laughs> <laughs> yeah everything about this book is just just drips cool um, yeah you're coming to the end of it which is essentially our By the end of the first arc the end of the first arc yes indeed uh, where Martin Mills is trying to um Make sure that Brian Slade does not screw up his uh, whole comeback because all of his new material is basically crap. Um, but what you learn in this is that he had done loads of outtakes with um, what's he called? The uh, it's Billy, isn't it? Um, yeah. Billy was the lead singer of the new up and coming band, and he just seems to have turned into this crazed lunatic at this point. So obsessed with the art and getting he, everything yeah, perfect. He, he went. Uh, he was he was touring drug crazed. He. Uh, he went in a bit of a drug binge when he was touring. He couldn't take the pressure. Um, he couldn't take the pressure, and that was. And, uh, and he's essentially he's, broken as a result of it. Yeah, he is. He's in. He's in a. He's the lead singer of Stunted Growth. He's in. He's in a mental hospital, uh, and he hears. I think he hears Brian Slade on the radio or something, and uh, and it brings him. Well, he's he's going absolutely crazy, uh, but he escapes from the mental hospital and. Uh, is determined to essentially crash the Bransley concert and create all types of havoc. He um, wants to. He wants to to get his old the tapes he recorded. Yeah. And uh, play them for Martin because Martin hasn't heard them and he doesn't want. He, he knows that he's better than Brian Slade. Yeah. You know and he knows you know so he goes on a bit of a rampage and uh, murders the the engineer at the suite and recaptures his tapes. Um. You know it's uh, and then goes for goes goes to Martin's office and. Uh, it's all very, it's all very exciting. Uh, tries to tries to get to Martin through a secretary. Tries to choke out the secretary. Um, Diane, his former manager and former girlfriend's on the scene, and uh, what do you call the big dude uh, who knows who Martin really is? Oh, the one from before. Um, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Where are we? Oh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I know. That's lost on me too. Anyway, uh, so it's all set against the back backdrop of Brian Slade's massive uh, Lucius, is it? Lucius, yeah. yeah, of Brian Slade's massive comeback concert. Uh, Martin is going to the concert because he knows the only way out of the pit that he's got himself into with his former boss and his new boss is for Brian Slade to die on stage. Mm-hmm. Whenever Brian Slade dies on stage, the because uh, we know, of course, Martin in his previous life was a hitman. Um, so whenever Brian Slade dies on stage his record will will sell out and also his back catalogue of records will sell out which is now owned by Martin's company but if this new new record goes ahead and the comeback tour uh, the comeback gig is crap 
everything will lose value completely. So the only way to make sure that this works is for Brian Slade to die on stage. So Martin's Martin's at the gig, getting ready to shoot Brian Slade. When uh, Billy when, turns up, when Billy turns up, <laughs> and the plan comes together. So <laughs> do you love it when a plan comes? Yeah, together? exactly. So. Uh, up above the up above the stage and the rigging as Brian Slade starts off in what turns out to be an absolutely fantastic concert. Yeah, goes through yeah. all his hits. Goes through all his hits exactly. Uh, Billy and Martin are fighting in the rigging, and it all it seems to be going a little pear shaped. Uh, whenever uh, they fight over Martin's gun and Brian Slade gets shot anyway, uh, suddenly they're going fuck this movie isn't such a good plan <laughs> after all. Uh, but uh, Martin in his, in his intimable way uh, with Lucius's help uh, and uh, the sacrifice of Billy manages to make it all alright uh, so yeah it's, uh, it's it's really good it's a really good it's a really good end of this arc and it always comes really good back matter as well and it almost makes it seem like a music documentary or something by the end you know all the Polaroids all the wrap ups of the stories for you know who ended up where and all that kind of stuff uh it's just been a really great book in general i think it was you that had noticed for the first time that it was going to be volume one yeah yeah um but yeah we we've recommended and recommend this series i think it'll read really really well as a trade it will. yeah yeah um so yeah we've we've got the trades in store it's uh yeah it was a cracking read so it was i have to say and i say that's what it says at the end martin mills will return and gangsters goth and guns <laughs> So yeah, it was very very tackle a different uh, sector of the music industry there. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, definitely the first music thriller I've read as a comic book. Yeah, and uh, absolutely fantastic stuff. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, you have something else there? Um, yeah, I've got one last one. I just wanted to throw out a bit of love for, which is a series called Canto. Uh, this was an IDW series. I believe it's going to be just like four issues there thereabouts. Um, it has been very lightly described as a mix of Wizard of Oz and Dante's Inferno. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Canto was one that we only got a couple of copies of it in. Um, I took one myself. The other one let, stayed on the shelves for a couple of weeks. No one even looked at it. But uh, it's a really, really charming little book. Um, little blurb on the back is just says, Enslaved for generations, Canto's people once had hearts. Now they have clocks. When slavers damage a, a little tin girl's clock beyond repair, Canto must brave his, his strange and fantastic world to bring back her part or to bring back her heart. Can he overcome the dangers that await and save the one he loves? It's just a wonderfully charming little book. Um, very it starts out in that very sort of classic fairy tale way, the down the downtrodden race, the evil maniacal overlords, um, and that one who will rise up and make a difference. Um, considering they're all like these little sort of night tin people mm. the artist does a great job of differentiating them all whether it's like eye patches or like these sort of metal moustaches or you know you can really tell who's who the whole way through it um, but yeah I just thought it was a really really charming wee book um, I think this is going to be one that when it hits trade this will do really well um, because this just has like little cult hit written all over it that beautiful ending splash page where you can just see Kanto setting out on his sort of big adventure um, yeah I, I love this and I think it'll be, it's a great all ages one as well um, so yeah Kanto great stuff um, cool. that was just to throw the shout out written by David M. Boher 
and art by Drew Zucker. Cool. Um, so I'm going to finish off with issue three of uh, part three of section zero, protecting mankind from everything that doesn't exist. A uh, great book from Image uh, by Carl Kessel and Tom Grummet on uh, on art. Um, it's just been a great, it's been a, been a great three issues. There's now four issues in. I've absolutely loved. I bought the first issue, thinking I'll give this a go. This could be a wee bit X Files here, a wee bit. Yeah. It's it's everything. It's like I don't know. It's that 1990s, 2000 era. Paranoia, back. yeah, yeah, really secret government a, yeah, sects, exactly. You know, secret team. We bit Wildcats, we bit X Force, we bit uh, tongue and cheek as well, uh, with just a mix of different characters doing a thing. Apparently, this was a this was a uh, crowdfunded. Oh yeah. Uh, so it was, and the second series has also been crowdfunded. So uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be picking that up. So. Section zero, I'd say that'll be coming out in trade and yeah, it's a month or two. Yeah, a couple mm-hmm. of months. So I would highly, highly recommend it from from Image. Great stuff. Cool. And that leads us to the last one of the. Day. Yeah, um, just even just a quick one. It's not, it's not in depth. Um, Transformers Ghostbusters. It, uh, Those are two nice words. They are together, and they both work well together. I um, I didn't have. Any thought of what this was going to be like going into it, but it was just—it's fun. It 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 works because it's absurd. Like it sets up and it's the normal opening for Transformers, Decepticons, Autobots. But the Autobots take off from Cybertron, and Zul shows up and destroys Cybertron, and uh, and it takes off from there where uh, Starscream shows up as a ghost of the the Ghostbusters and. Um, the Autobots finally get the Earth and Act of One is now an Autobot. Um, it's it's really lighthearted and it's 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 dumb, but it's 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 fun. Sounds good. And and somewhere Roddy's ears pricked up. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, finally, I'm there in spirit. As soon as anything eighties comes into it, I'm there. I'm there. Um, yeah. So that was that was pretty much our run through for what we thought was the best in June slash July the third. Um, in the world of comics um, I have not much more to add at that point no you know hitting half 12 at night at this rate so uh, I have a busy day tomorrow get Same your runs pull list ready perfect and I look forward to it and it's something I'll probably get a chance to read it in about 4 or 5 weeks whenever <laughs> I get through uh, when I get through the last week of June and, uh, and all of July <laughs> we are just a week from the end of July so you may start thinking of those July reviews yeah <laughs> once you finish those June yeah, books of yeah. course um, yeah so as always um, you know hopefully you can find a lot of these titles in the store um, obviously we're based in Smithfield and Belfast um, pretty sure there'll be a War of the, the Realms trade coming out fairly shortly there will indeed already got the jumping on that. pre-orders in for that already um, of course there'll be the Batman Dam trade soon you yeah. know <laughs> um, hunted, so hunted soon maybe Hunted, uh, Hunted should be soon. Yeah, I believe it's going to include all of Hunted plus the Dotty Two issues all in one. Um, so that is a, a crack and read as well. Um, but yeah, just pop in the store. Anything like this, any of these titles appeal to you, or you want us to back trace so single issues, or as you mentioned, um, deal with the uh, the trades. So and I think plenty, plenty that we didn't mention the night that we we could have mentioned, um, but uh, let let's not. 
<laughs> can almost see Keith just wanting to continue for he's got a list in front of him go ahead name check some titles not at all not at all I'm done I'm done yeah you're sure yep absolutely <laughs> okay we're done that's it I'll sign off cheers for listening guys bye see you in good night, good night. <laughs> Thank you.